On this episode, we discuss Moonfall. The front runner for the 2023 Academy Award for Stupidest Movie. Flophouse. I am Dan McCoy. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Also, and the Flophouse. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> can realize I, you, can were, I, you were. Can I step? I want to step on your introduction. Didn't realize again. you were giving your credits. Also, you sorry, it. I didn't mean to step. <laughs> no, no, I stepped. I'm Ellie Kalen, stepping on Stuart's crediting of himself as from the Flophouse <laughs> in this intro to the Flophouse. <laughs> Something I've never done before, but I was trying it out, and I guess yeah. uh, I guess I shouldn't try like new things. Shriek having the powers of Shriek. <laughs> sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, yeah. <laughs> huh. So, hey, this is a podcast where we watch a movie that has been a critical or a commercial flop, mm-hmm. and then we just we talk about it. We discuss and occasionally, it. And occasionally we provide a forum for the feelings of people who have been either to or have come from Topeka, Kansas. Yes. And their feelings a, about Topeka, Kansas. But that's not as regular. It's a secondary uh, mission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If say. we complete our first mission and there's still time, sometimes yeah. we take on that one. Yeah, if we, if we do it, we'll get some bonus uh, victory points, and that might tip the scales if uh, the game's really close. But so you're wearing your sunglasses inside. Is that because you're so cool? Or? No, it's because I'm fucking hungover as shit, dude. <laughs> okay, all right. You were it's there. Really throwing I me was off. there. It's I was there. It's really throwing me off that Stuart's Ugh. wearing his sunglasses because I keep thinking he's going to terminate Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you think all because normally, normally I'm just kind of boring like Snoopy. But when I put these sunglasses on, I become <laughs> Joe Cool who murders people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that there was a whole run of Peanuts comic strips which were removed and expunged from the newspapers where, where Joe Cool goes on a killing spree uh, uh-huh. on a rampage. Yeah, he doesn't he beca- kill any of the main characters from Peanuts, but there's yeah, he's a reason just, he's a, con- a lot of the He's adults. a contract killer, and that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. He's been removed because. Uh, I think you've gone on record in that I, you don't believe in glorifying uh, contract killers and assassins. No, and, very much. Uh, I, th- I think the the uh, pop culture stereotype of the cool, smooth assassin who is a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lethal hitman with amazing taste in suits and uh-huh. just total control is not just a not just a pathetic fantasy, but also yeah. a fantasy that leads to um, the idealization of uh, certain. Uh, Antisocial and hostile tendencies, and certainly, I don't want to see Snoopy playing into that. Yeah, I think I think uh, you're specifically talking about Dan Aykroyd in Gross Point Blank, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I th- well, I think if you're gonna lull, if you're gonna believe that all assassins are as cool and hot <laughs> and just stylish and graceful as Dan Aykroyd in Gross Point Blank, then you're asking for people to try to go into a line of work that's very difficult, that's very hard to make a career in, and very hard uh-huh. to get an opening in. So it's this what I tell like people all this- the time. Kind of sounds like some lines from Gross Point Blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, so we're so, here to talk today to talk about Gross Point Blank. <laughs> anyway, this is a movie starring John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd. Uh-huh, and Minnie Driver. And Minnie Driver, who is, of course, the daughter of the Micro Machines guy. That's why she's named Minnie Driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
She and baby driver are pals. Yeah, she had to work so hard to lose her accent of talking too fast so that she could be an actress. I remember mm-hmm. seeing uh, some cut yeah. scenes from uh, Circle of Friends where she's, uh-huh. she's just talking way too fast. And they keep saying, Minnie, Minnie, you got to yeah. slow down. They, they, they had to slow her down for, for TV audiences, similar to when uh, Jet Li was in Lethal Weapon 4 and they had to slow down some of his scenes because he was moving too quickly. Yeah, because he was true? taught martial arts by the micro Yeah, that's guy. true. I'm not <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, guys, I also am a little low energy now that you now that you talk about it. Now yeah, that I'm hey, sort we're of in luck, sweating guys. a you, little. You were, you were both you were both out late last night, and I spent this morning climbing up a hill carrying a three year old. Oh no! So uh-huh. we went on a hike, and he actually did a great job going up. But on the way down, he was like, "My legs are tired," and that means Daddy carrying me all the way down. Uh-huh. So. We're three tired guys, so it's too bad we're here to talk about Moonfall, a movie that would really benefit from a high-energy analysis. Yeah, a lot of zazz. It's, it's, it, well, well, let's hope that it rescues us from our our uh, our energy funk. Okay, let's— uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, let's... the gravity of the moon will pull our energy back mm-hmm. up into the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Much as it does many objects in the movie, even though the Earth has more gravity than the moon, and that's one of the reasons that the moon orbits the Earth in real life, you know. Uh— what? Yeah. Well, I don't but, know the exact science of it, but if the moon got the moon does help the tides pull up, but it's not like if I don't know. I don't know how close the moon has to be for water to literally fly off of the earth well, uh, as in the movie. I, I do Scientists know, write in. Neil deGrasse Tyson write in. Look, mm-hmm. I don't know about the I mean, I don't know about the science of what you're saying. I do know that if it was close enough that that could happen, we would all be long dead. <laughs> oh, for sure. That yeah, well that goes, <laughs> that goes without saying. Uh, uh, so Stu, you're going to you're going to take us on this space flight uh, yeah, through the cosmos today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Why not? Yeah. And you know what? And Fuck this it. was also the first time where I was like, you know what? Every time I watch the movie and take notes, it takes that much longer. I end up having to stay up late at night a bunch of times. Mm. Stu's doing the summary. I'm not even going to take notes on this one. So I have no notes, Stuart. So you are Ugh. on your own. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, no life preserver on this one. Yeah. Just raw dog and moonfall. Okay. You are Whoa. falling off the moon without a net. Um, okay, so it uh, it opens with some footage of space and uh-huh. some production logos, uh, and then uh, once again we're in space and we get, we get the uh, we get a date, January twelfth, twenty eleven, and I'm like, wow, man, to be back there, you know, twenty eleven, living the dream. Yeah, I would I would I would warn being warn those people so many different things. I mean, sure, you know, the moon's going to be a problem, but, you know, there's so many other issues going on. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, so you think that this problems. occurs in the same timeline that we're currently existing in? Because I don't know if you remember, but it, back in, uh, you know, like the, the, the moon didn't crash into the earth at any point. So like that. Oh uh, yeah, I guess you're right. No, you're right. Okay, so this is an alternate timeline. Okay, yeah. so any any time <laughs> where the timelines converge, you have to make sure you let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dan, cool. I'm curious, and I want to know where the timelines diverge. So what are they not dealing with in this movie that we're dealing with nowadays? Because mm-hmm. obviously it's, we're not dealing with the moon crashing into mm-hmm. the earth. But what are what are? Do our, they, what they assume they, that they don't seem to be dealing with a shortage of baby formula? Yeah. Yeah. No one mentions that in the movie. No, I think that I think that somewhere along the line we were given a choice. The moon can almost crash into us, or we can just have a panoply of horrible, like, ve- like just like a, a yeah. smorgasbord of like uh-huh. that. That in when you combine them, it feels almost 
equally unpleasant. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I got to say, <laughs> it, I mean, the, the earth is running out of oxygen in the movie and buildings are being destroyed by chunks of moon rocks falling on the sky. I'll take this universe. You, you finally <laughs> create an alternate universe where I'm like, yeah, I'll stick where I am. I don't need to go to that yeah. one. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going for the moon, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if I make the right call. Let's go yeah, on. Let's I, don't, I don't need to live in the universe where, uh, where uh, Sam Tarly is in love with Elon Musk and can't stop talking <laughs> about how great Elon Musk oh, is. Uh, that, like, I... So I I saw this movie in the the theater and I want to talk yeah, about Dan, that. Yeah, give us some backstory, Dan, before Stuart gets us. All Stuart's <laughs> established that we're in space in 2011. We're in so space, Dan, give us some backstory. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, I was going to say later, but I can do it now. But I will say, like, I had a great time watching Moonfall in the theater. But like the the one part that disgusted because... me was like every time he was like, "What would Elon do?" Or he's like, "Oh, Elon, I love him." I'm like. Fuck you, guy. Like, nah, I almost don't want you to save the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally uh, buy And you the- saw it in 40X, so when anytime he said Elon did the chair shake. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wanted to talk about. I saw this movie in 4DX, uh, which if you're unfamiliar with it, <laughs> the fourth dimension in this case is a chair Shaking. that fucks with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the four dimensions of, of, of width, height, depth, and shaking. Yeah. yeah. So and I get, water in your face sometimes. Yep, you get squirted. I had never Splash zone. seen As we know, the fourth dimension is squirts. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why ga- all Gallagher co- concerts are in 4DX. But <laughs> I, I, all of them. Every I, single one. I, I Every never, single one. I had never seen a movie this way before. And I sort of assumed like that the movement of the chair would be Times you know, to things? S- subtle, let's say. Oh, and well. it, I will say, I'll tell you this. It is not. It is like. Ba- like basically like you're on an amusement park ride, which uh-huh. which know, is what the, this movie tries to be. The, yeah, well, the intelligence of this movie is perfectly matched to 4DX because I it mean, is... I have to say, the, the level of intelligence of the movie, it should be the video you're watching as you're about to get on a roller coaster called exactly. The Moonfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah Quick, as, we as need you... to go to the moon to fix it. You hold this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess you'll do. Okay, climb into your lunar pod and it's just a roller coaster car. Yeah. Yeah. But these chairs, they don't just sort of like shift around. Like at the beginning, for instance, we're in space, they were like like listing and drifting as if you were, you know, in zero, zero gravity. But, that sounds um, awesome. But they also and they sucked all the oxygen out of the theater too, <laughs> so it felt like space. Yeah. yeah, it was just like the sense around scene in Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah, they also have parts that kind of like the 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 seat will sort of like jab you in the back at times, and uh, it will squirt water at you. The, you better believe later on there's some water scenes where we got squirted <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot. Now and, the weird uh, thing is, Dan, I saw. At you I, I didn't get well. to see Moonfall in 40x, but I did see Belfast in 40x, and it <laughs> wow. seemed like it really distracted yeah. from the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so guys we're in space uh we got uh mm-hmm. we got some astronauts uh we have who are these astronauts we tell us about them. harper played by patrick wilson mm-hmm. um he's kind of like uh the hero hero type <laughs> yeah he is kind of like the hero and he his partner is halle berry who plays Joe Fowler, Jocinda I Fowler, Jocinda yep. Fowler, kind of like another hero. <laughs> she's she's another hero, but she's a little more level headed, I think. Mm-hmm. But actually, no, because she makes 
some interesting choices later on. Well, Jocinda Fowler is, is she's supposed to be characterized as like the by the book one, and Patrick yeah. Wilson is the is the loose cannon. But they're both fairly loose cannony, and yeah. neither one is someone who should be in a position of authority. Like they're, but neither of them plays. And they they're saved introduced, the world from the moon, Elliot. That's the, true, yeah, I guess, actually. Because the only way to do it was to break the rules. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Of if that's, gravity if that's, and if that's physics. wrong. I don't want to be right. Yeah. They're like, hey, we won't be held back by the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> Those laws were made to be broken. Yep. And. Uh, they're introduced uh, arguing over the lyrics to the song, to Toto's Africa, and uh-huh. it's like, come on, like, well, how much more of a boomer granddad movie could this be introduced us to? That like the mm-hmm. movie takes place in 2011. It's already an old song that they're arguing yeah. about. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, it was extremely popular. It was like the number one played on Spotify though, like a couple years back. That's true. <laughs> That's true. People do love it. I think because I mean, it uh, probably like love it, trended on fucking TikTok or some shit. Well, I, like I think like Weezer, like people wanted Weezer to do a cover, and then they did, <laughs> and like. I guess great. Who you are those did it. people? You, 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 your change.org <laughs> petition worked. Weezer did a cover of it Africa is, by Toto. You know what? No, you know what? I talk you. about the baby boomers a lot and how 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 much they ruined things. But I will say uh-huh. that they did they did marshal a lot of their resources towards protesting like a war as opposed to <laughs> huge campaigns to get the Snyder cut released or get mm-hmm. Weezer cut to cover a Toto song. I think there've been plenty of protests lately, Elliot. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, yeah, no, Elliot's only focusing on those, uh, those protests. Um, and who knows? And you're also probably ignoring all the dumbass protests that probably happened back in the sixties where people were like, release the big bopper cut of this fucking (laughs) song or some shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They just, that, that shit doesn't get in the the history books, The original version had a bunch more. Hello, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so um, <laughs> so they're hanging out with their. They're arguing about Toto. They're well, not even space. not even uh, not even like hold the line or something. Um, okay, uh, and they don't hold the line when mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, space debris that actually behaves like a living thing. It's like this swarm of nano machines mm-hmm. slams mm-hmm. into them, micro machines, them. if you will, and yep, they're moving they're, really fast. That's true, yeah. actually. Um, and that sends them spinning. It knocks Joe out. The only person who, the only people who witness it are uh, are Patrick Wilson and uh, Marcus, who goes spinning off into space, never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, bye <laughs> bye, bye bye, Marcus. A horrible death. Uh, but Pat, we learn later that Patrick Wilson manages to get back on the shuttle, despite the electricity being out on the shuttle. He manages to land it. The yeah. only human to ever do such a thing. He mm-hmm. lands the shuttle safely. But I think his, it's very funny. They they keep saying you're the only person who's ever landed a space shuttle without any power, which is pretty impressive. But it's like not that many people have the chance to mm, land a space yeah, shuttle. Yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah, you're the first person ever to fart on the moon. Yeah. yeah. Well, most people don't have that opportunity. You, you're yeah. saying it's like the the like uh sort of like most accidents happen in the home. Like yeah, no shit. That's where you are all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or like or like or like when Elliot's always talking about how he could dunk a basketball, he just doesn't try. Yeah. But if he tried, he probably, he probably could. could. I'd probably be yeah, I'd probably have the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if like for some reason you were at a, a hockey game with your brother and one of the yeah. goalkeepers got sick uh-huh. uh with diarrhea. <laughs> and they're like, does yeah, anyone they call, in that, the, they call that a brown ice situation. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone in the audience can anyone play goalkeeper and the thing is for whatever reason you get volunteered so they suit you up and you go on the ice and you know what i bet you'd be amazing at it yeah 
Yeah, you guys, you I mean that's what? why I don't do it is because I'd be so good that I would blow the other players out that's of water, the thing. Yeah, or it frozen would, water, ice. It would, it would change the game. Yeah. So uh, back on Earth. Oh, and that's then the thing. Also, all these hockey fans would be like, "We could have had this all mm-hmm. these years, and yeah. they wouldn't be able to live with the missed opportunities." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, we also see that on the moon, the uh, the something's going on. Like the yeah. the swarm is doing something to the moon. <laughs> Everything's whatever. happening on the moon. Uh, shortly <laughs> afterwards, uh, hero astronaut Patrick Wilson it's is- It's funny because um, everything's happening on the moon, but I, that place, I can tell you guys, there's no atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> It's such yeah. a party Vibe, place, but vibes no are off. Um, so Patrick Wilson is, uh, is on trial. Well, uh, well we not trial. We can introduce this. That's not- Ignore the fact that, like, we hear, like, he's in the middle of, like, getting divorced. His wife is moving out. They're, like, moving stuff. And, like, the reason we hear that he is, you know, in these hearings is because his young son is watching them on the laptop. And so you're saying he's a he's young obs- son. He's a young son and uh, kind of diminutive. He's small. So yeah. would you call him a sonny? Yeah, he is called Sonny. That is his that name. That is what they call him, yeah. <laughs> they named him after their favorite James Caan character. <laughs> but it was so funny to me, like, that he's just, like, I couldn't tell whether these are, like, I, th- these presumably are not live hearings. Like, he's just revisiting No, he's. She father's. says, do you have to keep watching? He is, he is obsessively re-watching yeah. the hearings. And what I read was that this scene was actually shot later to explain things to the audience, that this mm. scene was not originally in there. And they needed a scene that basically said... They blamed your father for the space shuttle emergency. That's why he doesn't work yeah. for NASA anymore and he can't get a job and why we're moving and we don't talk to him and I'm getting remarried to Michael Pena. Like that's yeah. all the stuff. And a gratuitous dig on New Jersey in there. The kid goes, <laughs> uh, do we have to move to New Jersey? I hate New Jersey. And they don't move to New Jersey. I don't know why it gets brought up. I, they don't live there in it. I mean, I, yeah, they they may briefly move to New Jersey. I mean, it, we don't, It's a, there's a 10 year sure, jump sure, coming sure. up. That's true. I, I they could have moved around during that time. This is that's, what, that's where Michael Pena's <laughs> first dealership was, and then he, mm-hmm. he expands nationwide, and he yeah. just so he can get out of the yeah, hellhole that is he's the Garden nationwide. State. This yeah. is one of the first of many dumb things in the movies to, movie too. Where oh, you think uh, <laughs> you think this movie's dumb? <laughs> they, well, I think I would I would argue I don't think it's the first. I think the dumb things start right from the beginning well, of the well, movie. One of the first. The like they fired him from NASA. They decided it was human error. All this shit, and it's like. I guess later on we're meant to believe it's part of the the cover up that we find, but it's it's yes. like it's like she was knocked unconscious by something. It's not human error. Like whether or not you think that his well, they, crazy story about nanobots is true, <laughs> you know, like he like she was knocked unconscious and he did rescue her and pilot at home. So like for them to be like it's all all of it is your fault <laughs> is is weird to me. You'd think they'd want to keep close the guy who is powerful enough that he can knock out a spaceship on his own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, that they wouldn't want to throw him out of the organization and give him a reason to go against NASA. But it is very, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of, this whole movie has, has, like the style of the movie is like dumbness, is to be (laughs) dumb. And Mm -hmm. I texted Dan and Stuart and I was like, I'm 20 minutes of this movie. It's maybe the most flagrantly stupid movie I've ever seen. It's like and the then, movie is- and you were barely what, is, in it. It got yeah, so much better. It's, it's like it's waving its stupidness in your face and it yeah. keeps daring you thinking, it's like, you think this is as dumb as I can get? I can get dumber. We're going to get stupider. Like you have to really admire the movie because the movie at no point decides to be reasonable or rational. It's just so stupid. Like there's a, we'll get to it, but there's a, there's a plot development where so, where someone- makes an information leap that 
is something that I thought movies didn't do anymore. This, mm-hmm. There's the one trick that they that involves a newspaper getting dirty in a place where there's an article <laughs> Ooh, that has information that. the character okay, well, and like oh, shoot them up, made right fun now. of that 15 or whatever years ago. Like it's yeah. oh, I was I was like okay. movie. This is amazing. <laughs> so we have a 10-year jump. Nothing happens between 2011 and 2021. Uh, we are introduced to- I think to they new- refer to it as the, the great boring time yeah. in the movie, yeah. Uh, we are introduced to Casey Houseman, kind of an oddball conspiracy mm. theorist uh, fellow who we will later learn is, is actually a, is a <laughs> megastructurist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has broken into a facility and is using, uh, trying to use a satellite to track the motion of the moon. Moving as, on. I was going to say, Casey Houseman is the classic character we've seen in other Flophouse movies like Godzilla vs. Kong, where he is the character who believes the thing that all of science says is not true. And uh-huh. the movie says, yes, you're right. Do your own research from mm-hmm. now on on the internet. You cannot trust scientists. You can't trust the scientific consensus. If you have a crazy fucked up theory and it you you've pierced together a bunch of things from computers that prove you right, you're right. Do you go think, with it? Don't listen to authorities. You know better than they do. Do you think is, like a generation of people growing up with pop culture reinforcing that? character and stereotype, do you think that's had any positive effects on the world? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. I, w- I would say nothing but positive effects. Thank you, Stuart. We currently live in an era where everybody is a genius scientist who knows how to, knows how to who has basic research skills. So thanks to movies, we've developed that. No, yeah. obviously, it's a terrible thing. And we now live in a world where nobody trusts fa- anything. And this is, and movies are just one brick in that wall between us and mutual understanding and agreement, but it's a pretty big brick. So it made me mad to see this still being done now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too real about life, but I find it... Get real, man. It's Moonfall. Guys, let's just get fucking real. Let's get real. All right, Let's stop being polite and start being real, dumbass. I I was not being polite. Is it, like, this kind of thinking where it's like, I know better, I know best about all sorts of things, like, people's sense of self and self-worth and their own intelligence and all of that must be so tiny if it is threatened by the idea that someone else who has studied a thing might know more than them. Yeah, you're right. That is you're exactly right. Absolutely bizarre to me. Like it's like I do, I like I feel like I'm a fairly smart man. I don't think I could say perform surgery on myself. Well, you know, there's the, there's the thing about, you know, being smart enough to know what you don't know know, or to know that there is stuff that you don't know. And that's, that that's the the basic foundation of wisdom or knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, but I think there's a lot of people who they, and and I'm speaking mostly of men, but not entirely. It's, it's women also, but it's, it's a big part of the male makeup is are where it's like, if I give any ground at all ever, then I am giving them the opportunity to, to kill me, to kill me soul. It's kill my soul, basically. Yeah, I've failed as a man. If I ever admit that I don't know something or I'm wrong about something. And and when Casey, and Casey Houseman, he's Sam Tarly, so he's super charming. He's got an English accent, even though he has an American mom, and which is not a plot hole because my own nephew and niece are in the exact same situation. They have American parents, but they have English accents. Mm-hmm. But uh, the- He probably did he, a semester abroad. He No, no, I think his dad is, <laughs> I think his dad's English and he lived there when he was growing uh, up. But yeah. okay, but, uh, the in the movie. But once he starts talking about Elon Musk, it's like, oh, right, this guy is not like a cute, harmless, you know, wise fool or something. He's probably like an incel. He, he probably hates women. He's lonely in a way that he could change, but he feels like that means compromising with the Stacys of the world or whatever. <laughs> like what, It's like there's a darker side to this character of Casey Houseman who 
I did where and the more the movie went on, the less and less comfortable I became with him. That yeah. it was like, oh yeah, this is the this is not a this is a guy who is not like probably in real life, like not a great guy. Like yeah. he's got some negative things about him. Mm-hmm. And he's probably I don't want to say he's definitely married to a Japanese body pillow, but possibly. So, you know. <laughs> so he went the full he made an honest uh pillow of this. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, because some, he believes in the be because he believes that. in the ancient classical Roman standards of humanity and marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. You got okay. so you have to marry that body pillow, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Halle Berry is now the deputy director of NASA. See, that's what happens when you go buy the book yeah. is that mm-hmm. you, you get rewarded. When you play the game. Yep. So she, and she's informed by her team that the moon is in fact coming closer to the earth. It's uh, rotation is as somehow bringing it closer to the planet earth, which is strange. Yeah. And they, they, so NASA knows this and- Later on, Patrick Wilson is like, he, f- like, talking about Casey, he's like, he figured it out before you guys did. And it's like, no, he didn't. Like, this is the thing that annoyed me in the movie. Like, yeah. he didn't. Like, they knew <laughs> they were working on it. Well, he, he figured it out, he like, ac- he figured it out, like, 12 hours before they did. <laughs> I guess. I mean, all he accomplished was, like, eventually, we'll see, he leaks it to the press, which causes a panic. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. although the moon then also starts causing a panic yeah. shortly thereafter by sucking things into the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't. Th- in this in this case, much as with the Supreme Court recently, I don't think it was the leak that was the problem. I think it was the moon coming towards the, the earth moon. that was the problem. Yeah, now, yeah just like with the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where it's the decision is really the troublesome aspect and not so much the leak. You know, in my opinion. So now Casey, uh, you know, trying to figure out a way to uh, get his information out there, he is inspired by his cat Fuzz Aldrin's urine <laughs> uh, to pick up a urine-soaked newspaper, and he realizes that there that he could track down disgraced former hero astronaut Patrick Wilson. Well, oh, wait, before we get, wait, Dan, say what you're going to say. I, I want to just rewind to say another stupid thing that the movie does. But well, Dan, I think we may be talking about the same thing. He tries to call NASA directly yes. before that, and he reaches the NASA uh, gift, shop, gift, shop, the gift shop, which is apparently open in the middle of the night. Like, this woman is That's, there yes, alone. Yes, this is crazy. <laughs> like, the lights are all out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> she, the, the, the store is closed. The lights are out. And yet there's someone manning the phones, and she's yeah. She says, I'll pass you along. I just sell T-shirts to kids. And it's like, hold on. So why does the director <laughs> Like, she's not even he, doing he inventory at this the, point. Yeah. The only, the only thing I'm going to say is maybe he dated her briefly, and he knows, and that's the number she gave him because she does not want him having her, her real number. Mm, and, sure, sure. But why, maybe she just turned out the lights because she's about to leave for work, <laughs> and then she heard the phone ring, and she was like, well, I'll pick it up. Maybe it's a question yeah. about how much we charge for astronaut ice cream or what it's <laughs> yeah. made out of or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, the idea that he calls NASA, and it's all for the joke of he called the gift shop. But that but yeah. they must have been like, well, he's calling at night, so I guess the gift shop lights should be turned out to show that it's night. Why is she sitting there? Why is she answering yeah, the yeah. phone? Why is this the number he called? It is, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Dan. That's exactly what I want to talk about. It is I think so she, I think she was half dumb. expecting, she answered the phone half expecting it to be Ben Affleck asking if they have live music. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ben, we're a gift shop. We don't. Your wife is not sleeping with a pianist here. So he wants to share his theory that the moon 
moon is hollow and artificial created by aliens. The idea that the moon is a megastructure. Mm. Uh, Which is Latin for big structure. Yep. <laughs> Patrick Wilson is now divorced. Uh, he can't make his rent. He drinks beer and his son is arrested for taking a sports car for a drug-induced joyride. <laughs> yeah. And it's on TV. It's like your son is on TV right now and he's being, he's in a high-speed chase. And then later, Patrick Wilson is arguing his case and he's like, he's a good kid. It's like, not really. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem to be. <laughs> All signs point to no. Um, so he uh, attends the bail <laughs> he's, hearing. He's so rich, he didn't know it was a bad thing that he was doing. <laughs> he, he attends has influenza. The, yeah, he, uh, he attempts, to, uh, he goes to the bail hearing, uh, but he just ends up messing it up and causing trouble between him, uh, his ex-wife, and her new husband, as we mentioned, played by Michael Pena. And they have two daughters together. Now, here's another dumb thing at the court hearing. And this is, so... Uh, Michael Pena has hooked the Sonny. The fucking lawyer? The, <laughs> yes, the lawyer. He's hooked him up with his with his high-priced lawyer and the lawyer and the judge is like, this is outrageous, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and the lawyer gets up and he says, your honor, we are very prepared to pay, to pay whatever bail you set. Money is no object. And it's like, what are you trying to get him thrown in jail? What are you doing? Yeah, like, yeah. To, to get up and be like, don't worry, judge. We're so rich. We can pay whatever fucking amount you charge. It doesn't matter. You're nothing. The system is nothing. He's a rich boy, so we'll just get him out. Mm -hmm. Like, what a crazy yeah. thing for a lawyer to say. Well, That's why I'm using the word crazy so much. It's a... It's it's just it's such it's one of these things where like it's such a dumb moment you know the, everything's dumb about it. The judge yeah throws him in jail because he's like oh well then that means he's a flight risk. But beyond how it's bad strategy there, like you don't walk into like uh, a car dealership and be like I'm prepared to pay whatever you tell me <laughs> like. Like this lawyer is not interested in saving Michael Pena any money, apparently. Well, but also, but like it's one step above a mobster just peeling bills off of a roll and throwing yeah. them at the judge and being like, <laughs> "What, what do you need?" To make this thing go away. Yeah, it's such a it's such a nuts thing. And then Patrick Wilson gets up and he goes, "Your Honor, he's a good boy," <laughs> which is not a great argument when it's like, he's like, "Those were his friends' drugs that were in the car, not his drugs." It's like not a strong argument. That doesn't no, work. No good I'm going to tell you, mm. it doesn't work <laughs> with parents or judges. Um, okay, so uh, word gets out that the moon is out of orbit and people start to <laughs> seriously freak. Yeah. Society collapses almost instantly. Uh -huh. And it feels like half the population just went away. Like every, I would expect there to be more people in almost well, all these like, crowd shots. Society yeah. collapses almost instantly. And yet, on the other hand, like stuff seems to keep working for a very long time. Like people, I mean, like later on, there's like concerns about like generators or we got to get oxygen or whatever, but like people still have power. But also there's a lot of people being like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to run away. Like in in the next scene or so, you know, like the, the head of NASA resigns and leaves Halle Berry in charge. And I kept wondering like, where do you think you're escaping to? Like the moon is crashing into the earth. Like I, I, I know from living through the past few years that people don't act rationally uh, when there's a crisis. But even so, like what is the plan here, guys? Well, I think well him. He was like, I've got to go check on my dad or whatever. Yeah. Like I think I think there it's just he's gonna do. He can't really do anything. So it's like I'm just yeah. gonna make sure my yeah. my family's. Okay, for the most part. He's, not, I think, he's not like Tetsuo. He can't fly up to the moon like, and blow a hole. If only, oh, if only, if only he was Tetsuo, what a different movie this would be. <laughs> it, also, you'd wonder, it would definitely be interesting. You'd wonder how a drug-addicted, psychotic Japanese teenager became the director of NASA. Like, right off the bat, that's a big question that I would have. I mean, I would accept that's that. That's your story. That's yeah, your plot. That's actually, yeah. A, good a little more yeah. if, if the character wasn't, like, 
literally shown to be one of the few people who could do something about this in the world. Uh, well, it's a, but it's another it's another instance. This movie is like, and I hate to be just digging too deep into the politics of what is essentially a stupid popcorn movie, but that's where our politics are writ the largest, Dan, in yeah. our escapist entertainment, is that what it is saying is, oh, the people in charge only care about themselves and can't be trusted. The director yeah. of NASA, who in theory could do something about this, he just leaves. He doesn't – he's not interested and he throws yeah. it in the hands of Halle Berry who is, you know, his – his who is marked as one of the trustworthy human beings and Americans in it. Yeah. So it's another one – it's just another one of those things that reinforces that idea of like authority is not there to help you. So don't – so you can't trust in it and it takes just a ragtag team of, of folks to go mm-hmm. up to the moon and blow up an alien robot. Yeah. But also on top of that, we just went through – what could have been, and thankfully it wasn't because of medical technology ultimately, what could have been like a massive disaster for humanity. And for the most part, people just kind of muddled through it and it, they bought a lot more toilet paper. And a big chunk of humanity refused to do anything about it and refused yeah. to change their ways. So I kind of believe if the moon was coming towards the earth, you'd have a lot of people who just out of sheer inability to grasp the enormity of that would be like, I guess I'm going to go to work today, talk to my coworkers about how it sucks the moon's going to crash into the earth. Like there's there's a scene in um there's a scene in the movie The Day After where nukes are about to land on this town and this woman is rushing around making the beds in their house and her husband's like, "Stop with the bed making. The bombs are falling. What are you doing?" And I think it's a lot of that. Like yeah. if the moon was going to crash into the earth instead of like people fleeing the cities because you know that because they know they live in a disaster movie so famous buildings are a, a specific target for chunks from the moon that uh, I think you'd have a lot of people who just kind of like close their eyes to it and just keep on doing what they do and are like ugh this moon what are you going to do about it well do you see the game last night that kind of thing anyway so that's speaking Elliot of doing Kalen's stuff about the moon perspective. um Patrick Wilson tracks down Casey Houseman who explains that the moon is a megastructure built around a captured white dwarf star uh <laughs> not white dwarf the magazine which features uh warhammer content but mm. we'll get into that later um <laughs> Willie? and it's but- not it's not it's not VHS copies of red dwarf the british science fiction sitcom no no no, no, no. no. nor is it the candlemas song black dwarf all different, okay. all different songs. Okay. All different things. Um, okay, uh, but something may have happened uh, to the star, thus the course of the moon has been altered. Um, the Navy uh, sends a shuttle up to the moon, but it gets attacked by that swarm of nanomachines, <laughs> and it murders all the people on the, uh, on, the, on the thing. It just slams right into their faces. <clears throat> slams the right into their yeah. faces. A, a powerful attack. Um, it's like, it's one like that if they have no defense a- over. No, it's like if you bit into a gusher and instead of fruit juice, a stream of a, a fountain of nanobots just flew into your face and smashed your <laughs> face. That would be yeah. terrible. Gusher, would, I would yeah. certainly ask for my money back gusher for that package of gushers. Similes on the podcast. To, I'm trying to get gushers more interested in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You think but, that that's where the money is in yeah. gushers? It's, um, it's in gushers. They're in, it, the money is literally inside of gushers. That's why they put that fruit juice in there to squirt you in the face so you drop it and you don't take the money that's hidden oh, inside. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Harper and Casey Houseman uh, are at a hotel and they get flooded. Uh, there's a big uh, – th- this is when the movie kind of turns into full-on disaster movie Poseidon Adventure when – Yes, and now let's talk about how – how so the, uh, Casey's friend Ziggy is uh-huh. getting high in the lobby of this mostly abandoned <laughs> hotel and – He's, he's got his feet up, so he doesn't notice that there's ankle-deep water rushing into the place until he lowers his feet. And then he wakes up Casey and, and Harper, and he goes, look outside, guys. And they look outside, and there is an enormous wave of water rushing towards the town. And you're like, no one heard this? No one felt the rumbling yeah. of it? Like, yeah. it's, yeah. it is 
it's such it's such movie logic that if so, if you can't see a thing in on the screen, then you also can't hear it, you can't feel it, you can't smell it. Where were their four DX seats, Dan, so that they could feel the thing that was actually, yeah. actually good happening question. to them? Well, yeah. you gotta believe you better believe that there was uh, water being squirted in my face when all this was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was also, like a gusher also, was in front of me. You're also biting gushers. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah, so. yeah. Because you wanted to be hydrated. Now, for okay. movie. That 4DX water. <laughs> I'm a little worried. Like <laughs> I'm sure it's clean. Yeah, <laughs> like it seems like I don't know, especially in in this day and age. Do like, they just recycle it after each viewing, or they just like 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 there's still suits or something, and they scrape was, it off your I, face? You know, and I was wearing a mask, and I was definitely before the show worried about how much water there would be. Like, yeah, I was like, I, you I, thought it would be like in uh, in UHF when he drinks from the fire hose and it, a fire hydrant and it just blasts <laughs> that kid right off yeah, that, I didn't that want rocking my, horse. My mask to get saturated uh-huh. uh, it seemed like yeah. a bad idea, but it, it, it was it was more like a fine mist. <sighs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> Stuart is so tired. Yeah, but poor it's, guy. The, well, I should mention also, this is the main goof list on the IMDb uh, page okay. for Moonfall, that white dwarf stars are enormous. They're much bigger than the Earth. You could not fit one inside the moon, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a scientist. I'm certainly not an astrophysicist. But it, it, it kept seeming to me, like, it kept bothering me that the reason the moon is in orbit around the Earth is because of the Earth's gravity. Yeah. Right? The Earth, the mass of the Earth is what's holding the moon in place. So the idea that the moon is powered by some kind of anti-gravity star and that yeah, once that gets super turned massive. off— the moon starts falling into the earth and objects on earth start being pulled up to the moon. It all seemed very, I was like, what about the earth? But the earth has gravity, right? Like we well, live in a this planet case, with gravity. Well, but in this case, it is a super massive uh, thing. The White moon. dwarf star. But like that just adds other questions. Like why, why wasn't the earth pulled into the moon before this? Like yeah. what well, is this anti-gravity technology that the superstructure has? I don't know. Like I remember like this was by the like I saw this with a group of friends, my friend Ashley, like this was the thing she could not get over. She was like, I have read a bunch of stuff about about astro- astronomy and the, the fact that there was like it's a star in the middle. This is absurd. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's a it's a Roland Emmerich movie. <laughs> you said, yeah. I, so you said, can I remind you again that this movie is dumb? Like it's almost yeah. it seems beside the point to even be bothered by how how messed up the science is in this movie because the human behavior in this movie makes no sense. Like nothing. It's a dumb. It's such a dumb movie. It feels like like um, it wouldn't surprise me if it turned out that if they were like surprised this was the first ever movie written by an algorithm. Like a computer wrote this movie. Yeah, There's yeah. a part where Casey Hausman he. He hear, he sees in the newspaper that that Harper is going to be speaking to a group of kids at the Los Angeles at the uh, Griffith Park Observatory, and uh, he goes there and impersonates Harper for a little bit to teach these kids about how the moon is hollow and it's a megastructure. And then he's talking to Harper. and He goes, "Harper, you've got to get me to NASA." And I said to the screen, "I said NASA and me are not speaking terms anymore." And then Harper says that exact <laughs> line, and I'm like, "Yeah, this was a movie written by a computer." Like it, it's so. And I read, but then reading on Wikipedia, they're like, "The script computer was in development Elliot. for four years," and I'm like, "How was it? How did it take longer yeah. than four days to write yeah. this script?" <laughs> Uh, so Halle Berry gets a field promotion. Uh, she is now the director of NASA. So she starts digging into some old NASA secrets. And of course, this uh, she d- doing this disturbs <laughs> Donald Sutherland from his suicide pistol cleaning. <laughs> yeah, from his, this was from, the, his, from his ancient slumber this deep is within the funny, bowels of the bureaucracy. This scene is so funny because he like, he sees like you know Donald Sutherland's down there like you know uh, he looking very wizened as he's uh, an elderly he's man now. He's an old now. man, and, and he's in but, the shadows mostly. But he, you know, he seems to just sort of be like 
the gnome who lives in the NASA archives <laughs> who's just been waiting for this moment <laughs> because he sees like Halle Berry coming down, you know, uh, on his security camera and he puts a pistol on his desk and then he like comes out, explains the plot of the movie and then sort of is like, I have some business on my desk yeah. I need to take oh. care of. And it's so it's so horrible, but I laughed because it's just like, well, having explained things, I must go and, and die. Like, <laughs> my my Goodbye, plot function Daddy, has, I'm dying. has I've, been fulfilled. I've, I've, I've achieved my purpose on this earth. <laughs> you know, I used to say that God gave me a certain list of purposes, and I'm so far behind, now I'll never die, but I just did it. So yeah. now it's time for me to go. So you mm -hmm. can have my shirt that says that with a picture of me and Calvin on it. <laughs> but uh, and this, so yeah, Halle Berry has learned that the military has known for years that the moon is hollow and there's an evil <laughs> robot that lives inside it. Yeah. And they were building a weapon, codenamed ZX-7, an EMP device to kill the, the robot swarm, but it was abandoned for budget reasons, which mm -hmm. is a silly explanation yeah. <laughs> because it's like there's no budget that's so small that the military can't build a, a space weapon that nobody wants. Like that's also, the, <laughs> the government is like, hey, we don't want to buy 300 tanks. The military goes, no, the, actually the military says we don't want 300 tanks and the Congress says you're making those tanks we're yeah. making them so there's no there's no budget then well and that the thing is, is like that. they still have it it's not like right. they didn't make the <laughs> emp they did make weapon it. yeah they just put it so somewhere. like <laughs> the budget was going to like a guy who hangs out with it like <laughs> <laughs> well that was the budget that was the budget to pay it was just the budget to pay for new light bulbs for the building yeah, that donald sutherland yeah. works well, in where he keeps the yeah. company and that's why it's so dark in there this is also a part that confused me because like later on um, the there are all these you know recalculations that need to happen because they have severely underestimated how massive the moon is. Like they're like, oh, you know, we thought we had this much time, but we only have this much time because the thing is decaying so much faster. The orbit is decaying because of the mass. And I'm just like, I. But okay, like I if NASA knew secretly what the moon was. Like at this point, shouldn't they have that information <laughs> and not be making these mistakes? Like they Need to know be basis, Daniel. It like Top secret. Yeah, but she has only. it now. Like she keeps treating it like it's a normal moon and, it, and it's, a sp it's a spaceship it's a moon. Sp it's a hollow spaceship <laughs> yeah. moon. It's also, it's a space arc moon. Also, there's, there's, I mean- there's so much. It's it's a dumb movie, Dan. I, everything can be laid on <laughs> the feet of being a dumb movie. The fact that the it's director dumb. of NASA goes, here, you always wanted my job. Now you've got it. And he hands her his identification card. And later she's in a secret, confidential military archive. And they're like, how did you get here? And she goes, the director of NASA gave me his key card. It's like, oh, so I guess that card opens up every door in America? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, what is this, like hit like a hitman level where all you got to do is take somebody's clothes and all of a sudden you can do anything they do? Man, hitman rules. Okay. So uh, Harper and Houseman are just Stuart, like Stuart, I can't except I can't get behind the idea of entertainment based around Hitman. But continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like if you spent twenty four hours with Agent Forty Seven, you would change your mind. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll maybe we'll, I do like the idea. I would say dead. I like the idea of of putting on people's clothes and being able to do what they do. But that literally is the plot of the Cobbler, a movie I did not care for. That's so maybe true. I um, okay, so Harper and Houseman are just taking a nap together in the upper floors of this hotel when <laughs> yeah. uh, some government uh, hel helicopters show up and they airlift them out of there. Uh, and Fowler offers Harper his old job back, to which he responds, "I got a lot of my own. Uh, I got a lot of my own problems down here." <laughs> it is so funny. It's so funny are, that he's like, 
He's like, I got bigger fish to fry than the moon. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's it is taking the idea of like the reluctant kind of badass hero to a ludicrous degree where it's like you have nothing in your life. The movie has established that from point one, that your life is a failure. And now NASA is like, hey, can you come back and do the only thing you like doing, which is flying spaceships mm. and do it to save the world? And he's like, I don't know, man, I'm a busy guy. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. This is, and, is this also when they bring when they take the Endeavor out of the, the California Science Center? Yeah, yeah. They take the, the shuttle out of the museum and the army delivers the, uh, the EMP bomb. Mm. I will say that I've been to that museum several times. It's really cool to see a space shuttle. You just walk around it, walk underneath it. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend going to the California Science Center and seeing the space shuttle Endeavor. It's really cool. Okay. Uh, that's a plug for space shuttles. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we can get the, them to sponsor I do, I put, right Space now, shuttles I wanna, and gushers. I want to take a second and say- uh, Don't combine the two, Dan. You can't have a gusher in zero gravity. You could drown. I don't know. I feel like- I feel like when they were doing the style and makeup for Patrick Wilson in this movie, they're like, we need to get him looking as much like Chris Pratt as possible. Yes, mm. yes, very much. I wouldn't be surprised if this was originally written in the script as a Chris Pratt type. Yeah. Uh, although there's basically part of the Mario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your yeah, basic yeah, Mario. Mario. <laughs> Heavy mustache, Italian accent, plunger, you know, Chris Pratt type. The I think, uh, but the, I have to admit, were you guys as excited as I was to see Patrick Wilson as like the star of a big budget like I like Patrick Wilson. I like him no, as an I like actor Patrick a lot. Wilson and too. it was exciting to see him like in the role that normally Tom Cruise or Chris Pratt or uh, I don't know a Hemsworth would play or something like that. There, you know? I mean, there was a part later on. Yeah, I mean, like not later. I mean, there's just. A, I remember there's a part in the movie where I was looking at Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry in a scene together, thinking like, "Look, I know that people got to eat. They take the jobs that are." That are, that are offered them. They, like, make decisions about, like, oh, maybe this will be, like, big. I understand. Like, it's a career, and people, you know, I think get too down on actors sometimes, expecting them to always be doing it for the art. When, but It's I a job. Also, it's a job. But I was also like, oh, man, Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry, are, like, they read this script and were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I did, there was a moment too where, yeah, where it was like, well, that's a lot of wasted talent in this cast. I yeah. Mean, Halle, Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, Michael like, Pena, Donald Sutherland, Michael Pena. Like, I, uh, it, although I like, similar to, I like seeing Patrick Wilson as like the hero star when I think of him more as like a supporting actor in these types of movies. I liked seeing Michael Pena in the role of like the wealthy stepdad that, yeah. that the kid, that like has his heroic moment and all that, like, that it, originally that was Stanley Tucci that was supposed to be in that part, and he seems more like the stereotypical version of that. Mm, but Michael, yeah. I loved seeing Michael Pena in a role that was not like the goofy guy or like yeah. the henchman or, you know, that or it, it was, you know, I liked seeing him in a, in a situation where I was like, oh, it's not the role I expect to see Michael Pena playing. You yeah. Know? So. Uh, but it's a total waste of talent. <laughs> uh, as, a, uh, as a stipulation for him saving the earth, uh, they get Sonny out of jail. Uh, who shows up and immediately throws a fit when he realizes that his dad is going to be going into space. Uh, and then earthquakes <laughs> and did, start happening. Were you guys happening. as surprised as I was that Sonny then became a, that Sonny's subplot became a major subplot of the movie? <laughs> yeah, it became huge. That yeah, the movie uh, thought we cared about what happened to Sonny? I mean- it, Well, it's lean, that, that's the whole section of the movie that leans into the disaster movie element. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think that a yeah, movie like this needs people on Earth that we're going to follow as- Earth mm -hmm. falls apart. And some of the, like, while 
<laughs> while I don't find the you know Sonny and his entourage as interesting as Patrick you Wilson mean and Sonny, uh, <laughs> Michelle, the Chinese exchange student who is yeah. living with Halle Berry and a, Halle Berry's son Jimmy, Chinese Canadian. Uh, she's a an actress and singer. I, I looked her up. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, she uh, seems anything, to be uh, only anything there I've heard to... of? Any songs I've heard? <laughs> I, Probably a lot. They seem to mostly be in Chinese, although she, you know, moved to Canada uh, okay. in her youth. I mean, um, it, it is it is a. I mean, she is in the movie to give a for reason, the international for, market for the for China to okay this movie to be shown in Chinese. Theater. Like, there's no reason for Halle Berry to have an inter, an exchange student living in her house taking care of her her it's real child. life. Dude. Yes, sometimes real life messy. They're, but the they could, they couldn't come up with another way to and they couldn't come up with another way to have a Chinese character. And later on, they're like, our Chinese friends are lending us an orbiter that we can use. It's mm-hmm. like, and our friends at SpaceX are going to let us use this thing. Like the Fuck movie is that. is really. Really yeah. loves Elon Musk and wants to appeal to to the Chinese audience. No, but I like as as much as I don't find those characters as compelling as our main trio. Like the some of the stuff that happens later on Earth is some of the wackiest. Stuff and what about uh, like, like oh yes, very much so. By the time they're in they're in a they're in a in a car chase with. Aspen hillbillies. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, that's we'll a teaser that. to yum, keep yum, you yum. Uh, yeah, 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 that's just listener. A, in case you're getting bored hearing us talk, just, just get ready for that. Because it's not where I expected the movie to go, that's for sure. Okay. So uh, all of a sudden it seems like this mission they're preparing for is is off. They had to cancel it. So they send everybody home. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a problem with the space shuttle. And within minutes, Halle Berry gets on the intercom and goes, everybody go home. <laughs> And everybody just goes home, so it leaves only a skeleton crew, and then they realize that, you know what, Just they could use this, like, kind of less powerful uh, shuttle thruster thing because of the moon's increased gravity to yeah. help suck the shuttle up into the sky. I, uh-huh. when, I, when I first saw uh-huh. this in the theater, I, like, started, like, hitting my, yeah. like, arms of my chair. And the I chair's like, see, no, I hit you. <laughs> I can see where it was headed. I'm like, oh, boy, are they going to use the moon's gravity to pull the shuttle the rest of the yeah, way? Oh, yeah, they do. And, yep, that's uh, what happens. Okay. That's exactly what happens. Much as, the, as much as the moon's gravity pulls the top of the Chrysler building off, <laughs> it also pulls the space shuttle up. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but because it's just a skeleton crew, only... Harper, Fowler, and Houseman are going. Only our three main characters. So they do all their tearful goodbyes. You know, Houseman calls his mom and Fuzz Aldrin. uh, His cat. His cat. Um, You know, and we get reintroduced to Sonny and Michelle and Jimmy and uh, and Halle Berry's ex-husband, who's a general. (laughs) uh, Which, by the way, after Charlene pointed this out, but I kind of agree, meeting those two characters... There's no way they would have karaoke at their wedding. They no do way. not seem not like that. The yeah. type of people would have karaoke at their wedding. No, early on, she got, Halle Berry is she knows the lyrics to Africa because she sang it at karaoke at her wedding. And you're right. There's no. I, well, I also don't believe these two characters were ever married. Like the, it's it's the <laughs> it's the X Men rules of relationships where it's like, well, they're the only two black characters in the in the movie, so yeah. they were probably married at some point. You know. Uh-huh. But it's, okay. They also, this is also um, when. Uh, when, are you are you are you going to talk about the shuttle launch? Not only do they have to use this shuttle that's broken, not only 
is the moon's gravity going to have to get the most away? But is there a tsunami heading towards the the launch pad yeah. at exactly that? Yeah, moment? let me see. My is no- Dan being squirted with water right, <laughs> then, right, right then? My my notes just say gravity wave in all caps. <laughs> so yeah, there's this massive uh, gravity wave. First, it sucks all the water up from the seabed, leaving the fish just flopping around. Uh, yeah, this and, is a Red Sea scenario. It's yep. happening, folks. And so, like, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of water in the air. There's water all over the place. Uh, and does Sonny, does Sonny have to outdrive the wave, or am I imagining that? No, of, of course he does. He <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, we've, it's already been established he's a joyrider. Mm. So he, uh-huh. and he's ready That's for an adventure. a special skill. Um, Special skill is driving fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so they, yeah, they first they park the Humvee they're in and watch the gravity wave because it's dope. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, shit. And they get in the Humvee and then they outrun the gravity wave, of course, because he's a great driver. They barely escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but in the shuttle manages, despite for a moment, we're like, oh, it looks like the shut- one of the thrusters is off. The shuttle's just going to crash and they're all going to die. The movie's over. Nope. The moon, <laughs> the moon helps them the rest of the way, and they're in space, baby. Um, uh, they're in space, baby would have been a good name for this movie, too. Yeah, they're um, in space, baby, the movie. And, and Casey Houseman, he cannot stop taking pictures with his phone of that's, everything that's going on. There's a, the, I kind of like the joke when they're staring at him for taking photos with his phone, and he's like, it's on airplane mode. I think that's a, that was a good joke. Yeah, that was a funny, a funny laugh. That was a funny gag. Um, okay, so they uh, they get that shuttle into the sky. They refuel at a SpaceX depot. Uh, they have some laughs like about a real waste old of time. times and shit. Um, <laughs> I know there's one part. This is around the part where I couldn't quite understand what was going on. I think where they're like, we've got to jettison our rocket tanks or whatever, and I could and like that's what space shuttles do normally. So I couldn't quite figure out what the problem was. I think they it was before hands like they had. Basically, one ran out of fuel, <laughs> and then the other one was still thrusting, and so they're going off course. So they're like, "Oh, we got to jettison the one that's oh, still see. working, yep. so to suck us up into space." Uh, I hate to, you know, uh, backtrack just a little bit, but I have to say that, like, the scene that back in twenty eleven, <laughs> <laughs> let me <laughs> no, just like everyone's gone, which is what leads you know Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry and Casey to be like this ragtag team like they're the ones who're going to go into space it shows and- that you can you can you can launch a space shuttle with just three people in the shuttle and two guys manning the the computers yeah, back yeah all the other the ones are you know that's a tax I felt so bad for on- the actor and actress that they the actor and actress they introduce as like the flight the navigator and the other person cuz all they get to do is stand there and nod when their name is said and then they leave and then they don't get to go on the space shuttle I'm like oh these actors they probably had to audition for this part where they just stand there and it looks like they're going to have yeah. a part in the movie and they it's nod like, and they don't like, get to be in the it's movie It's like Bosk Forlom Zuckus <laughs> like they're barely <laughs> I in mean, it I mean at that point just go all the way yeah and have Bosk and IG88 standing there Yeah <laughs> but the, they're like we got to go up and we have to do it in 28 minutes exactly. Hell yeah. You know, so the moon can help us out. Well, and, and also, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I and they're like, else. they're convincing KCE, like, oh, we got to have you come too because you're super smart, I guess. And you figure things out. And he's being, you know, he's like, oh, I'm anxious. I have irritable bowel. I've got all this stuff. And that, like, it seems like the yeah, most same here, dude. casual, chipper conversation <laughs> that they're having. About this, uh, there's there's not a lot of urgency. This is a movie where at various points they're like, if we don't leave in 20 minutes, we or like later on, if we don't set off this bomb 
in like two seconds, then we're going to be killed by nanobots. And they have a conversation about it. And it's like there's there's just no sense of urgency ever. Again, it's a dumb movie. But yeah. it's like it, – it's the kind of movie where somebody – Instead of just setting off the weapon that's going to save the day, they have to give a speech first about how nobody ever believed in them. And it's like, <laughs> just do it, dude. You're talking to nobody. Like, just, yeah. just make it happen. But you're right. They, they do take a long time convincing this guy whose dream throughout his entire life has been to go into space. Yeah. They have to spend a while convincing him that he should go into space with them. Yeah. You know? Um, and, they're, and they're wearing old Apollo-era spacesuits because they can't have electronics tip, on them yeah. if they can help it. Because they, they they figure out – is this when they've – have they already figured out that it seems like the swarm goes after electronics that have people inside them? Well, they, they know that it goes after electronics at this point. I think later on they figure out like, oh, it has to have people inside yeah, them. People Although I'm the not special sauce, really yeah. sure how they figure that out because they stop the – nanobot swarm as we'll see later on by like breaking the electronics so i don't mm -hmm. know why they like make the Just leap to the like cord. oh also people have to be involved but whatever yeah i don't remember. As, you, as you've said many times it's okay a it's movie. a dumb movie so yeah. while they're refueling back on earth uh sunny michelle and jimmy get carjacked by as we mentioned before some coloradan uh looters <laughs> um everybody's it's going very, to colorado it's very much it's, a it's, because it's far from the ocean, right? Like it's yeah. high up and it's far from the ocean. Yeah. So if if the if the oceans rise, then then they'll be safe, I guess. In, yeah, in and Rocky weed. Mountain High, people people are going there for weed, um, and they want to go see and they want to go see Hallie's parents. Yeah. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this is and the looters. This is the like kind of at first when they show up, I'm like, oh great, these are characters I'm never going to see again. <laughs> How wrong I was. Uh, we'll see them again <laughs> later. Um, okay. Um, so they're now on foot. They lose their satellite phone that would allow them to call uh, Jimmy's dad, who's in a top secret bunker. So they just go all the way to Aspen, uh, and they uh, or did they find the survivor camp first before getting to Aspen? I don't remember. Yeah, well, they eventually they find they find where Michael Pena and yeah. and uh, and Sonny's half siblings are and his mm -hmm. mom, and now they're all on foot. They've got it. They and uh, they have to get yeah. They have to get to the military. Base yep. or, the, or like a tunnel, a concrete yep. tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's a, like I don't remember when they when they know that there's possible nuke stuff, but they, oh yeah, and oxygen is being pulled out of the Earth's yep. atmosphere, yep. and it's a it's a it's a whole mission. Yeah, house. and the it's moon is kind of situation. The, the moon is getting close enough; it's starting to break apart. Chunks of it are landing all over creation. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny. In, it's, it, the, the, the chunks of the moon are falling all over the place, even though the moon can only be over one part of the Earth. At a time, right? Like, it's not like the chunks are going to circle around the back of the Earth, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, it's also funny that, like, the moon is, as it gets closer to the Earth, you know, it's circling faster around the Earth, like that it has a, a shorter distance to to travel. And later on, there's a part where there's all this chaos going on because the moon has is rising. Like, someone, like a character's like, oh, the moon's rising. And I thought it was so funny that then it stops immediately as soon as the moon, like, I guess, like, turns around the other side of the Earth. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I guess, but it also just seems to, like, go back to normal so quickly. It's it's just such a weird, anyway. It's a weird movie where there's, there the gravity doesn't exist anymore and oxygen is disappearing until the movie needs the characters to like have mm -hmm. a conversation or walk somewhere yeah. and then things are finding it. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of science that they, they as I, I read on the IMDb trivia, uh, uh, it's one of the trivia points was just they researched what would happen if the moon actually fell onto slash into the earth. So I guess that explains it, that they did their homework. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
And so, another trivia, and I don't know what this is based on, says they had a real astronaut on set during production as an advisor. And on occasion, he would approach Roland Emmerich and say, hey, guys, I mean, that's not really possible. They told him to roll with it as it's just a movie. So I don't know whether they did their research. <laughs> or that's, that's a classic Roland Emmerich <laughs> phrase, too. Yeah. He's like, hey, we roll with it, baby. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> They're in space, baby. <laughs> <laughs> roll with it, Roland. I like they had an astronaut on on set, and occasionally his head would explode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wait, I, so this was, I have to, I also admit I was watching this movie, and about the time they finally got into space, I was like, "Okay, great, the movie's gonna be over soon." And I looked and saw there were fifty minutes left, and I was yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, it's so. two two hours and ten minutes. Long. Speaking so, of space, lot, but it's got uh, like nine or ten minutes of credits. So yeah, Harper uh, tries to pilot uh, a lander, uh, and he he leaves like the little rover vehicle with the EMP above the moon hole. Uh, it's kind of like bait, hoping to lure out uh, the swarm. Uh, the swarm comes out of the hole, ignores the bait, and begins to attack their shuttle. And then they, but they destroy all their electronic devices. Oh, maybe that's when they realize it has to have a person inside. Yeah. yeah. It. The weird thing is, he made it seem like he destroyed the detonator for the bomb. Yeah. But then, like later on, it works fine. Later on, it just has kind of a cracked. Yeah. Yeah. So, it it did look like he destroyed the detonator, but the problem was really the iPhone, which they yeah, you're right, which you're they right. destroy also. You're right. You're right. You're right. And Casey Houseman's okay. like, you could have just turned it off, and it's like, uh -huh. well, then you turn it off, dude. Like. Yeah. You're yeah, he was like, fumbling with it too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just lost phone privileges, buddy. Um, okay, so in Aspen, yep, as we said, uh, they meet up with the whole family. They decide to go to a fire station to get supplies, including some oxygen. That's when they get ambushed by those same looters. Yep, they've been However, following them. they turn the tables on them, and they steal the looter stuff. But then while they're driving through the streets of Aspen, <laughs> we have a, uh, a high-speed, low-gravity car chase. <laughs> uh where they're they're shooting at the looters and uh, things are getting sucked up into the sky. And oh, there's it's like, bonkers. Th there's like a huge ship comes by and a train and is knocking yep. cars off. And this is when I realized that in this movie the moon is is a is just the biggest catamari damacy because it just <laughs> yes. everything just gets stuck to it. Random yep. shit just gets stuck to it and then <laughs> mm -hmm. falls off of it again. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's working like I don't know. Like there's a the moon is less the moon and more like a big vacuum cleaner that's yeah. sucking things up. Yeah, I, and I, no matter where you are in the world, there's always a ship nearby even colorado you think as far as you can get from the ocean that's why everyone's lousy there. ships there, yeah. there's just ships falling down you know and i love this because this is uh you know like they're, sh they're shooting back and forth like like michael pena like has a gun this shows this shows that uh, this is a message i didn't like like michael pena is sort of like the nicer guy who's not tough but like you know he shows he's a real man by he's, shooting he's the, he's at the, these yeah, he's the soft. He's the soft stepdad. Yeah, he's not as and uh, yeah, but but he but he makes his bones by shooting back at these guys and then eventually, you know, being self sacrificing. But, but, uh, uh, but the, the idea that Sonny, who is like that, he's great with a gun and great with in car chases. Like it, it was ridiculous. But he's the best. He, Sonny like continues to accelerate because I guess the moment he has to have the momentum so he doesn't get sucked up in the air. And <laughs> he's outrunning the gravity of the moon. Yeah. And the this is one of many scenes where I just yelled at the screen, "Punch it!" Yeah. And the <laughs> it's also it's also one of those things where it's like 
hold on, I'm about to go even faster. And it's like, why were you not going that fast? Yeah, You're yeah, running yeah. from people who are shooting at you and the moon is going to crash into you. Go as fast you gotta, as you, you can. You got to wait for the perfect moment to do the nitro. Uh, <laughs> what is he holding back for? What Does he think this is the matinee? But then the, He's got to do it again later? The road is it literally being sucked up into the into the air and he punches it and he, you know, uh, he moon hops <laughs> with mm-hmm. the car over yeah. these floating pieces of road. Yeah, yeah like it's uh, Mario Brothers, yeah. And I gotta yeah, say, you like, gotta use you use the the mushroom. You'll get more. You'll hit more mystery boxes later on. It's this fine. movie <laughs> is like too gray in a lot of ways. In the way that a lot of like CGI heavy, uh, yeah, visually a lot of CGI heavy movies are. But I gotta say that as like fake and dumb as a lot of it is, it also some of these scenes on Earth I found like strangely beautiful because it is just. Such surreal imagery of the <laughs> moon being that close to Earth and stuff floating mm-hmm. up into the well, air. It, yeah, it's. I think you're right. It's one of those times when the most mainstream entertainment inadvertently becomes strange or bizarre. Yeah. In the way, it, like in that, it's it's followed this dumb path to a point where yeah, you have a car that is that is hopping across floating floating rocks like something on a 70s fantasy novel cover <laughs> and the moon is enormous and it's colorful and there's yeah. ships and trains and things flying by and a hillbilly in a car that can't make as fast a jump slams into this flying stone and explodes and you're yeah. like yeah yeah it's like how did this movie get so straight it gets so weird yeah uh, and well, it only gets sillier. It's going to get weirder. End. So they take the uh, they take the lander right into that moon hole, <laughs> and they find out that hey, it is a mega structure. Uh, so it's all like uh, you know, like it's like a giant spaceship inside. Um, and at the center are like uh, well, it's rotating. like the Revolution Studios logo. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, lot it's a lot rings. like that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of revolving rings. Um, and uh, on some of those rings, there's like uh, like. Uh, crops and stuff planted, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Because it's a big yeah. They basically, it, there's, it's like, uh, it's like Ring World. It's like yeah. Larry Niven's Ring World. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, the Simon Roy comic Habitat, which is great. and You should mm. read. It is better than this. Um, and at the center, of course, is that aforementioned white dwarf star, just small enough to fit inside a, uh, a moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and apparently not too hot for them to just fly by. Like yeah. you'd think, you think the energy of a star would instantly destroy them, but that's true. They yeah. do fine. They just cruise by it. Um, and the swarm is smothering the star. It's like soaking up the energy, and that's what's causing it to uh, causing the moon to hit the Earth. Um, so they uh, they the swarm starts to chase them. And they barely escape through a like a door, and then the door closes, and they they crash in in a chamber of this weird alien structure, mm-hmm. and it seems like they die. Yeah, because the the hull integrity breaches, and you know the oxygen goes out. Uh, we we come we you know we go back to Earth, and we find out like birds are dying because oxygen is running out. <laughs> the and, atmosphere is, this- is being sucked up into space. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, well, game over, man. Why are <laughs> like, the birds just getting know. sucked That's up it. into space too? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, the whole why thing. They fall down. You're right. Yeah. The what? If, if, Hollow if, bones, if birds okay. are high enough up that they're dying 
from the atmosphere being <laughs> sucked away, shouldn't the birds also be sucked I away? I mean, birds have had a long deal uh, <laughs> that gravity doesn't apply to them. Dan. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. right. Well, they they, si- they signed a, a deal with the devil, and that and that deal just ended. The terms just came up. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Only uh, Earth gravity, apparently. Uh, yep. Is this around the time when, when they start talking about how they need to hit the moon with a nuclear weapon? Like, <laughs> I mean, they've been, yeah. yeah I mean, that's been, Im- that's been implied the whole okay. time. like Mr. Show told us. <laughs> And it's really funny because they're like, we got to wait till the moon is close enough that we can hit it with the weapon. It's like, you, I feel like you want to hit it when it's far away, yeah, if that's yeah, possible. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I guess the missiles only go so far up. I guess know. that's, yeah, that's a good point. And you don't want to like miss. And then yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that missile just goes off into wherever. There's um, a part later on where- aliens. Ha- There's a part later where Halle Berry's like, in two hours, they're going to blow up the moon with a nuclear weapon. So we got to save everybody. <laughs> well, how are you going to tell them that you saved them? Like, even if you do it, how are you going to get that information back to Earth in time? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wi-Fi. Um, so uh, we <laughs> Since find you out smashed that, Casey's phone. Yeah. So we're inside the moon. Uh, the moon probably has Wi-Fi because we learned that the moon has oxygen and gravity. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but and wait, it, and this is this is the moment where uh, the Halle Berry and Casey they wake up in the spaceship uh, and Harper is not there. And Harper goes, "There's oxygen." And Casey goes, it "Smells weird." There's gravity. And I was like, wait, did you just smell the gravity? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Harper's missing. So they start walking around. They find that they're in this big alien structure. Um, and uh, they they immediately reason that for some reason the, the alien intelligence that built the structure they're in is different than the alien intelligence of the nanobots worm that is chasing them. Yeah. They are two opposing forces. Uh, meanwhile, Brian goes on a mind quest where a construct <laughs> of his young son explains the hidden history of the human race. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. look, we'll get into the hidden history of the human race in just a second, but I don't want to, you know, shit on a kid's performance too much. He's a child, he can't, but I do Wasn't think- was expecting it, it to go in this direction. I, well, I do okay. think it was a problem to give- so much exposition to a kid who can't really deliver it well. And he's also trying to deliver it in a very like portentous, like dramatic way. When I think like the both for logical reasons and for the kids skills, the better way to go would have been been like, just do this pretty affectless. Like you're yeah. a, you're a robot. You're a, you're an AI. Oh, uh, they should. I mean, they should should have just got Haley Joel Osment to come in and bang it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah I mean, he's not a kid anymore, but what? he's a grown up. He's a grown man. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go Dan's route. He can I don't blame. Pass. I I'm not gonna blame the kid for this for this performance or this moment. I think it is. What I like about this and what I don't like about this are the same thing, which is that the movie at this point is almost over. And this is when they've decided to drop a huge exposition scene about the history of the human race for thousands of years. And it is not interesting or surprising enough that it feels like a twist Mm -hmm. or a shock or something that the movie has been building towards. It's literally like the movie was like, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? I'll just make up some stuff. Ancient aliens for like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. it explains this ancient aliens bullshit in the way to make it as clear to the dumbest people watching. Yeah. And like, so, so Stuart, tell us the the hidden history of humanity. H H H. Yeah. So Triple H. Uh, that's what he. That's what the trip. The wrestler Triple H was all uh, about. Hidden, the hidden history of the history human of humanity. race. Yeah. Um, uh, humans were once a galaxy spanning utopia, but they were undone by an AI that they developed, and that AI manifested as these nanobot swarms. Uh, their last attempt to save their race involved making a mega moon. Uh, built around a white dwarf star. They were planning on making many of these, uh, but the AI attacked them, so they were only able to launch a single moon. 
uh, that was meant to find an ideal world and seed it with DNA, a la Prometheus, baby. Yeah, except and this whereas is being Prometheus did it super cool with like a weird giant drinking garbage and then melting into the planet <laughs> and then dissolving in, into <sighs> humanity. Yeah, the, the, uh, guys, and this is also guys, you know, remember when Prometheus came out and people shit on it? Yeah, that was so stupid. It's great. It's, it's a fun movie. <laughs> it has its issues, but it's a super fun movie, and it's like yeah, it looks beautiful. Well, and that's one also where maybe it's just because of that prologue. But when 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 they wake up that engineer alien and or whatever they're called, and he sees humanity and he hates it. You're like, <laughs> like, it means so this. much. I love it. I made this garbage. Like you're uh-huh. my crap, kids. Forget. Uh-huh. It. Like he's so angry about it. And yeah. the uh, and there's this moment this, of realization where you're like, what if? Like, what if you found God and God was disappointed in his creations? And then yeah. we then watch that guy get in a wrestling sex match with another alien. <laughs> <laughs> and, get, and then his belly rips open and a, uh, and a xenomorph comes uh, out. Like, so great. I love it. Like, like a God is mad at us. He's chasing us. Oh, a, an octopus monster is now going to eat him and time impregnate to, him. Yeah, like, time to attack and dethrone him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all like... Oh, what a mo- any I I thought this when I saw the movie in the theaters, and I still think in any movie where a lady uses a robot to uses a robot surgery machine to give herself a cesarean section and pulls out a little squid baby, I'm gonna like that movie. I'm sorry, even if yeah, it's just yeah. for that one moment, you know. But this this is a yeah this a lot of the, and also the idea of that like this alien intelligence is using the image of a family member to communicate with. Harper, like that's stolen from contact. Like th- this is not. There's nothing for as as crazy and and silly and dumb as yeah. this is. There's nothing original about it. No. So maybe that's it. It feels like you've just injected these this bonkers moment into your movie, but it's not that you're not giving me anything. This movie has been full of new dumb, and this is a mostly this is an old, this dumb. Is an old dumb. Yeah. I, I, can I say like the pettiest thing that bothered me in the sequence? I mean, you yes, just please. you just criticized the performance of a child. So go yeah, ahead. Similar. If you can get more petty than that, go uh, for it. Well, the child explains the nanobot thing, which is hilariously uh, <laughs> visually realized by a, a, another kid waking up in this utopia and seeing these swarms of nanobots inside what I guess is her, her alarm clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah some kind of glass pyramid alarm clock. Yeah, yeah. and the, the narration goes, the the AI suddenly became self-aware. <laughs> and I'm like... Number one, I'm like, way to yeah. gloss over things. But number two, just as a as a writing thing, writer of Moonfall, you don't have to say suddenly became self-aware. You can just say it became self-aware. Well, it's going to be suddenly oh, no matter what. Like that's I, I thought, always yeah, going to be a sudden, Seymour. It's not suddenly sudden Seymour. thing yeah. that happens. Oh, and I thought you were going to say if the definition of AI is self-aware. Like if it's well, a true also, artificial intelligence, it is self-aware. So yeah. the idea that it suddenly became self-aware, what was it before then? And, yeah. it, and it's, but it's a, uh, but anyway, it's a kid explaining it. So let's just say it's a, it's a, it's an ancient computer filtering through a child. It doesn't know how to explain okay. these things. Yeah. So they realize that the aliens that built the Mega Moon were not aliens at all. It was humans, and they have been drafted in defeating the swarm that is currently attacking their moon. Yeah. Um, and what specifically what the swarm is trying to do is it could just go and destroy Earth, but more importantly, it also needs to destroy the moon so that humans can't spread anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, looking at what humans have done to the Earth, the AI might have a point. It yeah, may I be mean, good that's, to stop that's that the argument in a lot of these things. Where if it's like, oh, we need to save humanity, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I a galactic like, scale. Yeah, but in this <laughs> case, like I get the Earth why is- I get why the people would want that, but every other living thing on Earth is like, hold on, let's hear them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was no life on 
Earth before these aliens showed up and terraformed, so... We don't know that, Dan. All we know is that they sprinkled human DNA all over the place. Uh... I don't know that they... I don't think they terraformed the planet. I think they just... Because they, okay. they were looking for a planet that was good for human life. I think... There, was, we, could, right now, there could be a... There could be a chipmunk utopia, but the humans no, are around s- screwing it up. Gen- mm-hmm. Basically, Ch- chipmunks is hanging out wearing shirts, no pants at all. Chippendale <laughs> Rescue Rangers. It's just it Rescue is. Rangers. Yeah, but the, it, in this one, ult- humans are the ultimate intergalactic gentrifiers. <laughs> is basically what it is. Yeah, is yeah. that we we found a virgin planet and we were like, this looks like a good place to set up our junk, and then we we opened the uh, the. Uh, world destroying equivalent of like coffee places and things like yeah, that, yeah. and and you know expensive vintage stores. And okay, so uh, the the moon fixes their shuttle, makes it even better than before, and soups up their cool EMP bomb. Mm. I think we're I think we're gonna have a fight on our hands. They're like, so, I think we just got an upgrade, but well, it was disappointing because you see all these alien spaceships around. I thought they were gonna have to fly one of those. Yeah, I was expecting that. No, no, yeah. nice. um, and then they're gonna go. I gotta get me one of these. And- uh-huh. And, or he Ugh. says, that's, and now that's what I call pod racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm loving it. Uh, that, that was such a great album, and that's what I call pod racing volume three. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, People okay. cheering. So uh, back on Earth, uh, our family is trying to make their way uh, through uh, The human ash. family, you yeah. mean. Our family of humanity. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to make their way through an ash-strewn uh, highway to a tunnel, uh, but- Tom has to give up his mask so his daughter will have oxygen, sacrificing himself, uh, proving himself to be a good dad. Yeah. Um, when I mean, really honestly, there's been it nothing seems like to... they could have shared the oxygen tank, you know, just like do the old scuba diver back and forth trick. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, you affix we, your we, mask first before you affix your partner, your neighbor's mask. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, the, Tom, the, they had to, the, what they had to do was uh, they had to uh, redeem Tom Pena uh, for uh, or Tom Pena, Michael Pena. Yeah, yeah, character I, like, is Tom. No, I like Tom Pena. They, they had to redeem uh, Tom Pena. Tom, author Tom of Pena Common sounds Sensia. like Tom Pena sounds like the owner of multiple car dealerships. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's true. They had to redeem Michael Pena's character for being not uh, Patrick Wilson, even though he was, by all accounts, it seems in the movie a much better dad. Yeah, and there's a part where they're like, he's like, we got to take the girls to Aspen, uh, and they're like, what about Sonny? And it's like. Yeah, you're right. I'll let the rest of the kids in the family die because Sonny's in jail right now. Like, forget it. Like, what? That's but anyway. Yeah. They treat that like it's a huge sin that he he left Sonny to in jail while he's he's getting <laughs> Why the other kids you break to a safe Sonny place. Sonny out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But anyway, he has to, he's he's a hero. He dies a hero saving his daughter mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. every parent's a, dream. And when he dies, he has a look on his face of just like complete terror or like shock. You know, yeah. he doesn't die with a smile on his face, and I like that touch. He doesn't die with a sense of pride. He dies with a sense of like, oh no, I'm dying now, which yeah. is what death is. It's scary. What I, yeah, what have I done? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I could have oh. kept that oxygen. What have I done? <laughs> Down in the top secret military bunker, they're goes, like, he, okay. He di- the, wait, his last thought was, wait, I have two daughters, and then he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, down in the top secret military bunker, they're like, let's nuke this fucking moon. Yeah. And Joe's ex-husband is like, uh-uh-uh, pulls out a pistol and yeah. takes the key, and he's and like- he says, my wife is on that moon. My ex-wife my is ex-wife, on yeah. that moon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, but she's going to save us. Yeah, yeah. What like, a dumb, what a dumb he, movie. He was like, she's <laughs> never let me down in the past. I'm like, I mean, I feel like she must have at some point. I mean, you're- you're not married anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, takes I, it two, seems like you know? that he was probably the one who let her down, ultimately. Let's but not, I, you know. 
There's we don't two know what happened. for a relationship to fall apart, it takes two people, Elliot. I think that's mm, it. I don't know about that. I've seen a bunch of relationships that fell apart with just one. But I, anyway, I, point taken, point taken. It's communication is the issue. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somewhere probably, in the probably, vetting you know, process, like, somebody made a mistake. She's never, she's never <laughs> let me down, except for the time she sang Africa by Toto at our wedding. Yeah. And I just couldn't let go of it. And ultimately, it led to our divorce. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, so... Back on the moon, Brian decides to <laughs> sacrifice himself to blow up the swarm. But uh, 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 KC's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself instead because I have less to live for. So he uh, locks himself in the little thing and they uh, drop him behind. Uh, Sonny gets trapped under a tree back on Earth. Uh, Casey uh, uh, triggers the bomb, killing the swarm. They escape, and luckily the moon is, like, right there, so they don't have very far to fly. They're back on Earth in, like, seconds. Um, the moon starts to return to orbit. Uh, the moon's gravity lifts the tree off of, uh, off of Sunny. Yeah, Great. this is the point where I'm, like, like early in the movie, I was like, ha, 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 they're, how silly. They're using the moon's gravity to shoot the rocket up there. But now they've reached a point where it's literally just like helping people lift trees off of other people. <laughs> well, it's and so also, close. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like we should just pull the moon closer anyway. Yeah. Well, why is the gravity? Why is it that the gravity of the moon only affected the tree when the moon was leaving? <laughs> like yeah. it's it, it doesn't. Uh, and all, I kept thinking say. about the scene in the movie Once a Great Notion where a different character gets – obviously a different character because it's a different movie. Gets trapped <laughs> yeah, it's under not a, Sunny, the son gets, of Gets trapped under a tree underwater. Like a log falls on him underwater mm. and his brother is trying to save him and he keeps gulping oxygen and then going back underwater to, to deliver it mouth to mouth to his brother. But his brother is realizing there's no way he can save him. There's no way he can go get help in time and he, and it's such a sad scene. But anyway, so I was thinking about a much better scene from a movie that has its flaws but is like a real movie about people yeah. as opposed to a movie about when the moon's gravity turns on and off to, to do different <laughs> things, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, moon starts to return to orbit. Everybody's happy, uh, <laughs> except Casey's dead, or is he? Back on the moon, Casey's inside the weird simulation. He meets uh, his grandma and Flux. No, all, his uh, mom. His mom, I'm sorry. she's She looks like she should be a grandma, but Casey couldn't help her with that. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's sitting there with uh, with Fuzz Aldrin, his cat, and uh, she's speaking for the, the collected, yeah, the, co the collect, yeah, collected intelligence <laughs> of her, the her, her human for race. grandbaby, yeah, yeah. And she uh, she explains that they've got work to do. Yeah, and this was setting He's up. He's part they of said the moon the now. <laughs> they yeah. said if the, they said if the, yeah his his he was his personality was scanned and now he's a moon program uh, that they said that if this movie had done well they would have done this was going to be the first in a trilogy and that the series was going to get even zanier but mm. I don't think we'll ever know their plans because this oh, movie was know. not a success. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, I was. I mean, I'm assuming the next stage would be like in uh, in the anime Gurren Lagann, where at first they think they have to destroy the moon, but it turns out they just have to turn the moon into a giant battleship. <laughs> so then oh. they fly the moon battleship after the anti-spiral technology race. It's pretty cool. I'll I'll show you the sh the show sometime. Yeah. Now, the, and also, there's a uh, all our heroes are are reunited on a mountaintop. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's a a convenient helicopter that Pat like they I was reading that they thought it would be too convenient for the astronauts to land close enough to their families that they could just meet up that way. So yeah. instead, they had them ride a helicopter over, and it's still incredibly convenient that the entirety of this this global emergency takes place either on the moon or Los Angeles or Colorado. Like those are the only real locations on Earth that matter. Mm -hmm. well, but you know. 
I kind of I kind of wish with the idea of like the moon, you know, going around the earth and wreaking havoc. I kind of wish they played up the idea that there's like that they have to get as much stuff done when the moon isn't close to them. <laughs> like <laughs> like if they had to do like the cycle of it. I, I'm because again, yeah. The way it, the movie is is when the moon is nearby, everything goes up in the air. Right. When the moon is not nearby, everything's totes normal. Uh, and I wish that they had they had like made some effort to like play into that. Yeah. So when like yeah, like, oh shit, like, the moon's okay, coming. We got this much time. The moon's, the moon's coming. coming. Tie yourself down. Tie <laughs> tie yourself to the ground. Strap in. Um. Hey. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. The moon's passing overhead. <laughs> um. The moon. Moon. Moonfall. Moonfall. This movie that we watched. Yep. What do we think of it? <laughs> Final judgments time. Is it a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? Or a movie we kind of like, guys. Uh, I, I will say, I, you know, I cannot give a totally, I feel like, objective uh, review of Moonfall because well, because you wrote time, it, because you're you're one of the credited screenwriters. No, because no, the first time <laughs> I saw it was this 4DX experience uh, with my friends. You know, like we hadn't been out to a movie together in a while. Uh, because of the world, uh, and I was mildly stoned, and I was being tossed around and having water squirted at me, and I <laughs> I, I laughed my ass off at this film. I had such a great time. It was the most fun, like, bad movie experience I'd had, you know, since Cats. It does not compare to Cats, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, watching it at home for the second time, you know, I did. I didn't have that same impact, but I still think that for me, this is a a good bad movie. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'll go along with you and say that it's a good bad movie. It's, um, I mean, it's like Elliot said. It feels like it's written by an algorithm. Uh, it is. There's nothing. There's no moment of originality in the whole movie. Um, but it's very silly, and if you're looking for that, like, kind of like an echo of the, like, 90s heyday of disaster, blockbuster, sci-fi yeah. action movies, you're like, your Volcanoes, your Independence Days, I think this will give you enough of that memory, but also be very dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go along with it being a, a good, bad movie. There are times when it gets a little, I have to admit, once they get into space, it gets a little duller to me yeah. uh but the it's it but there's so much it's so dumb and it's very fun <laughs> to see how dumb it so much of it is and how little things make sense and how it's like <laughs> characters act like the characters in movies act in the parody movies in like last action hero and things mm -hmm. like that like it really feels like you've entered yeah this this 90s doomsday universe um it feels like say, a movie that like it would it wouldn't be out of place if it was like pitched as a parody movie in like a comedy like if yes they're like yeah making fun of hollywood with these dumb movies yes yeah. i will say if you i it didn't quite reach the threshold that geostorm has for me yep. where mm. geostorm all it's like geostorm keeps coming up with new things that are done from you're like okay i okay so you're not going to show me the first time that humanity comes together to save the weather crisis this is about after the fact <laughs> and that but the, to later to the secretary of defense trying to use a storm to assassinate the president mm -hmm. like it's that's a 
this movie was not quite as as beautifully stupid as that, but it's pretty stupid. You know what? Yeah, I mean, Geostorm, I, I, feel, Geostorm feels original in its stupidity. Yeah, yeah. They're really breaking new ground in stupid. But I will say this is a good, bad movie. If you want to see, if you want to watch some dumb junk, then you could you could do worse. Yeah. Then yeah. Moonfall. Put that on the poster. I think the beauty of, of both of those, like Geostorm and this movie, is like we are entering the Baroque period of the, of the uh, disaster movie where all of the simpler disasters have been done so people need to think of very weird premises well the idea that people at one point could be could be entertained by something as quaint as a volcano and, when, and now yeah now we need the the stimulation that could come with the moon crashing into <laughs> or the back, earth or back in the 70s when it's just like oh no a boat turned upside down <laughs> <laughs> there's a building on fire yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, for an adventure, that's a pretty straightforward adventure. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Like, what, what is it? And I, what do you think the future is going to be? Is it going to be like, we've got to, look, we've got to eat this black hole. It's the only way to save the earth. <laughs> Everyone, grab your forks. <laughs> oh, no, they're being sucked into the black hole. Oh, keep, as you're sucked in, keep your mouth open so you swallow a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're Kirby now. <laughs> you're Kirby have, now. Have you heard... Uh, uh, Agent, have you heard of the Kirby Project? <laughs> hey, everyone. We've got sponsors. Uh, and one of them is Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Products, content you create, even your time. You can sell time with Squarespace. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated SEO features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. If there's one thing I know about search results, you yep. want your prominence maximized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yep, I, to I totally believe you understand and approve of everything you were saying, Dan. <laughs> That's my, that was my favorite 90s uh, action film, Maximal Prominence. <laughs> sell your products on an online store, whether you sell fidget, physical, phys, physical, or what? Fidget spinners. Physical? Is that, is that a let's cat name? Let's get physical. Yeah, let's get physical. Uh, whether you sell physical or digital projects, products, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was combining physical or like digital. Dan, people will always know that this is not a, 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 a electronically generated voice, that there's no, that this is not yeah, a, yeah. like an AI talking because why would they? Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. All websites are optimized for mobile. Content automatically adjusts so your site looks great on any device. If this sounds like it's for you, you can go to squarespace.com flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code FLOP, that spells flop, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Yeah, that's what people love about live comedy is the, you know, the moments of breaking and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. they call it in Britain. You know, yeah. today on the podcast, we talked a lot about mega structures. <laughs> but now I'd like to talk a little bit about <laughs> micro dosing. Awesome. Uh, our show that's is sponsored. That's how you do it, Dan. That's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> Coming in hot. Uh, our show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC to help you feel just the right amount of good. Uh, 
As a user of microdose gummies, I find them to be very useful to take in the evening to kind of chill me out and help me get a good night's sleep. Uh, I, I don't need to get like super high or anything. It's nice to just feel a little bit uh, kind of chill and relaxed and then go to sleep. I enjoy it if I'm, I'm stressed all the time. Drawing, I find that it gives me a little creativity boost. Yeah, a little creative boost. Yeah. Um, so microdose uh, gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code FLOP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in our show notes, but once again, that is microdose.com, code FLOP. We also have a Jumbotron message. That's right, it's a Jumbotron time. This Jumbotron is from Michael Beauchamp, and uh, he says in a message that uh, I'll... I didn't fully understand it first, but I think I get it out. It says, Batman villain the corrector here. Per your previous mini or Manny episode, gum doesn't stay in your stomach for seven years. However, I just started my own LLC as an automation consultant, and I'm looking for clients, a business partner, and guidance, possibly an investor. I used Squarespace to set up the site, and I have an official LLC. I know the technical aspects of robotic process automation for office work, not factory, but no idea how to start a business. Visit my website and email me, and that website is www.bo.com. Beauchampsbusybots.com. That's www.boshampsbusybots.com. Beauchamps Busybots. So if you're looking to get into the uh, office automation business, mm-hmm. get in touch with Michael Beauchamp yeah, at look- Beauchampsbusybots.com. Looking for a business partner and, you know, just wanted to correct us about gum. Mm-hmm. And also wanted to correct us about gum. That's what, the, the, that there are two uh, objectives to this message is what threw me off at yeah, first, yeah. but. I would but, say that the the business thing seems like the primary objective of the Jumbotron, and the other thing is just sort of uh, an along-the-way uh, correction. Probably. So if you're looking to invest in or uh, be involved in a new business, I guess get in touch with them. Yeah. And I, I was hoping, Dan, that I could mention a Please. personal project of mine while we okay. have the time. Uh, listeners may know that I have another podcast right now. Sorry, guys. What? I didn't mean to uh, cheat on you. but uh, It's okay. I don't want to go – I don't yeah, want to go yeah. break. Oh, okay. Yeah, Stu, Stu is it's turn. It's it's part of his game that he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, game of love. Uh, I don't want to break your hearts, but this is a podcast from iHeartRadio. It's called the Who oh. Was Podcast, and it's for kids. This podcast we do now, the Flophouse, very much not for children, and you should not let your children listen to it. So, if your children are looking for something to listen to while you're looking listening to the Flophouse, why not take them over to the Who Was Podcast? The Who Was Podcast, Dan, I'll tell you, is a quiz show for kids about historical figures, and I co-host it with. Megan O'Neill, a former sketch partner of Dan's. Yeah, I wanted. I, yeah, that's why I was. I wanted to mention Megan O'Neill. Very funny. She used to be in a sketch group called Mister White Pants that I was in. Oh, right. With my friends uh, Roy Koshy, uh, uh, Matt Koff, who r- writes for the Daily Show now, uh, Rob Morrison, who is a great musician and uh, Broadway actor. But uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you could take that- my. Uh- Glad you could take my spot for a thing that exists and turn into a spot for your sketch group no, that no, yeah. doesn't perform anymore. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm more just reminiscing, and uh, I'm happy that people seem to like you know have gone on to do great stuff. But um, so uh, and Megan is, is a longtime Story Pirates member, and so if your kids want to learn about history or just want to have a little bit of fun, and you hope they pick up a fact or two along the way, try the Who Was podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's the same. Just go to podcast places. Just mm-hmm. go. It's called the Who Was podcast. It's a quiz show. Thank you. 
Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about uh, this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. And okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Guys. We get letters from listeners. Don't tell us that we don't, because that would be a lie. And mm, I'm going to... Mm, prove it. Can you well, prove it with I'll some prove evidence? It by reading a couple to you guys. Oof, uh, I sure got one. showed. Dan really showed me. <laughs> the first one I was ho- from, how does hoisted it, how does it on feel? my own letard. That's a letter petard. Uh, what? <laughs> and it's, <laughs> why? So the Unabomber called his bombs? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. This is from Jill, last name withheld, and it goes like this. In a recent episode, you talked about the way a double VHS set used to indicate a real cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Stuart that mm-hmm. mentioned heat as an example. Oh, yeah. This jogged a memory that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Uh, <laughs> Is that Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> yeah, jumped I in? Try, I was trying to do a, kind of a Ben Kenobi. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, um, my parents were from an older generation and generally really prudish about media, awesome. trying to shield even the teenage me from swearing, violence, and a general category they always labeled as smut, which ra- ranged from mild sexual in- innuendo a la Golden Girls to outright sex scenes. So if my mom... A la Golden Girls. <laughs> a la Golden Girls. <laughs> so if my mom brought home a movie rental from the local convenience store for me to watch with my friend on sleepovers, you could usually depend on it being pretty mild fare. So imagine the surprise of my 14-year-old self and my friend when we popped in the movie my mom had written, rented for us, a double VHS set of Heat. It didn't take long to recognize this was a virtual catalog of everything we were not supposed to be watching. We giggled through the whole illicit thing, including what I have since heard was the longest shootout scene in film history. It was so long that we eventually we had to turn in and finish it the next morning, which now brought the risk that one of my parents would walk into the room and realize the mistake that they had made and force us to shut it off. But by now, we were deeply invested in the lives and careers, criminal or other, otherwise, of Neil McCauley and Vincent Hanna and managed to finish it with a sound low and the door closed. To this day... I have no idea what possessed my mom to rent this for us, nor what movie she thought she was renting. <laughs> but when Stuart... She thought she was renting Manon of the Spring. <laughs> but when Stuart... <laughs> I 
is like a nude scene, isn't it? But would Stuart yeah, yes, it brought yeah, it would up also the not be the best movie for the for what that mom is going for. Box set. It really it's made me joke, laugh guys. to think about it again. Jill, last name withheld. I just thought that was a nice story. No That's question. great. That's a great story. That is a great story. I love the idea that they're like, I need something. I need something for these kids that's not going to have anything uh, too adult. Mm, heat. Mm. <laughs> who's the Who's the director? Michael Mann. Oh, okay. okay, sounds mm. he's human at least. I have to imagine yeah. that. I imagine that uh, she saw body heat. It was it was in the hot section, and she uh-huh. saw body heat, and she said, "That sounds too sexy. Just heat." Okay, mm, that sounds the, less sexy. Take the body out of this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Al Pacino and uh, and Robert De Niro. Uh, kids love them. Do you have this without the body? You're in luck. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kids love Val Kilmer, Al Pacino, sword? and Robert De Niro. Uh, okay, this one. Is from Sadie, last name withheld, who writes, Dear Peaches, I've been listening to your older episodes on my Uh-oh. commute to and from work and a conversation during the Ouija episode about unironic fans of terrible movies reminded me of a mostly related situation. Okay. <laughs> That's what we love, mostly related. Yeah. My dear great uncle. I lo- I, sometimes I'll just go to the the mostly unrelated or mostly related festivals in my town and just <laughs> it's just great to see what they play, you know. My dear great uncle John is a quiet man and a gentle soul. As long as I can <laughs> did, remember. Dan, did we fall into an episode of Prairie Home Companion? <laughs> <laughs> Down at the oh, I can't I can't even remember the thing. Like I listened to that so much when I was a kid because my my parents listened to. And I can't even remember the enough to make a reference now. It's so yeah. long. Um, as long as I can remember, his favorite activities have been fishing and two, sitting peacefully by a crackling fire. <laughs> I do not think I've heard him talk about movies more than once in my life. The only exception being his infamous tie to cinematic history, having built a fence that ended up in several scenes of The Crucible. Whether he built it for the set or built it prior to filming for non-crucible reasons and it just happened to be there is unclear. He is a man of few words. Cut to two years ago. We were at his youngest daughter's wedding. For some bizarre reason, whoever made the seating chart decided parents of the bride, parents of the groom, one lone lesbian second cousin was a normal way to seat people, placing my parents and brother on the other side of Mm -hmm. the weird hipster wedding barn without me. The father of the groom, apropos of nothing, decided to break the silence of five people eating with, you ever seen Waterworld? <laughs> he let me know exactly how much he loathed Waterworld. I don't remember the details. I don't really care about my second cousin's father-in-law's hot takes on mm-hmm. Waterworld. When he was done, my Uncle John <laughs> This soft- is all I've ever wanted to talk about at a wedding. Yeah, yeah. I would so love it if someone just turned to me and said, hey, you ever seen a Waterworld? total stranger <laughs> wants to talk about, wants a... Uh, Wants to grind their axe on their problems with <laughs> Waterworld. I <laughs> am there for it. Invite me to that wedding. Yeah. <laughs> when he was done, my Uncle John softly said, I like Waterworld. Hell yeah. I think the trimaran is neat. Mm-hmm. Is that how it's pronounced? I, I, I don't know. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you're the, the local waterhead. Right? Yeah, that's, the, that's his boat? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, so. The father of the groom turned to him like Uncle John just voiced the most controversial, obscene opinion he'd ever heard and said, what are you, some kind of idiot? <laughs> yes. Uncle John, wounded, went back to eating his tiny, fancy cupcake. Later, he told me it was, a, in fact, his favorite movie. 
Oh, poor Uncle John. I've not seen Waterworld, nor do I intend to, but I've decided that for the sake of my Uncle John, I like this terrible movie. Every time I see something related to it now, I think of him. I even nearly bought him a Waterworld model trimaran at a yard sale. I guess it must be the boat. Uh, but my mom talked me. I don't into, know how that it, how how that made you realize it was a boat. Well, yeah. a model. I mean, like it could I don't be a think, model of a character named Trimoran. That's true. He's got three eyes. Would, mm-hmm. I don't think he would refer to it as a model. He's 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 three Cheech Marins and one. That's why he's the Trimoran. <laughs> Uh, but my mom talked me into just taking a picture of it for him. What would he do with it? <laughs> That's in quotes. <laughs> I, uh, That's such a parent thing to say. <laughs> yeah. It may be. People, uh, people hate getting gifts. What would they do with them? <laughs> it may be as terrible as the podcast say, but knowing it exists and bizarre and bizarrely makes this dear old man happy warms my heart. So I suppose my question is this. Are there any movies or other media that you don't enjoy or have never seen you're just happy knowing it exists. Thanks. Sadie, last name withheld. I, you know, I... First, tell us what you feel about Waterworld. Uh, it's okay. It's a little long. Like, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people say. It's like... No, not at all. Got a lot of cool stuff in it. I remember liking it as a kid, but I also didn't have the cool taste I have now yeah. as an adult. Um, I... I like I think we've said similar, we said this before, but like I like the idea of trauma movies more than I like them mm. in reality. I like that there's someone out there really keeping the spark of mm-hmm. uh, just we're gonna put out <laughs> Sergeant trash, Kabuki Man NYPD dumb trash uh, in a very like Carnival Barker sideshow like uh, sort of way. And that's going to be our business model. Um, but I don't particularly enjoy it. Like, none of them are as clever or as interesting as I want them to be. Uh, and I feel that way about a lot. Like, I have so many books about dumb exploitation movies that I know are more pleasurable for me to read about than actually sit down and watch. Because a lot of them just have, like, long, boring stretches in them. <laughs> Well, and even even the parts that are kind of exciting or interesting to read about, when you watch them, often like it's it's like I I feel that way similarly about a lot of the like grindhouse exploitation movies, yeah. where it's like anytime I've ever tried to sit down and watch one of them, it makes me uncomfortable. Like I don't like it. Like it's you know yeah. the the it's often like the thing we read about like the most the the like most extreme grindhouse movies ever yeah. made, and you're like that sounds that sounds bizarre. But then you try to watch it, and it's either boring or it's like oh this is this is making me un- like un- this is unpleasant you have like, to this is not- sift through a lot of the like outre uh classics to find one that's actually fun to watch yeah so those are good answers what do you do you, you look like you're thinking hard elliot i mean i don't really have a movie answer although that if i had thought of it that would have been my answer i think that i like that people are making kind of strange trash but i don't really yeah. want to watch it but the i think when I heard this question, it was the or other media that got to me, and uh-huh. I started thinking about uh, the Wu Tang Clan. Where I'm not, a, I'm not a rap guy. I don't really. It's just not my kind of music. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not my taste. But there's something about knowing that there's this elaborate collective of guys who have had these long careers making rap that is based in this strange amalgamation of like city life and martial arts movies and comic books and like their own 
mythology of alter egos yeah. and things like that that I, I like hearing about it and I like knowing it exists. It's but I don't very actually complicated. Wanna, yes, I, and I love hearing when it's one of the things where I like hearing people make reference to it and knowing that it's that this that this galaxy of people and and creators and concepts is out there. But I don't want to sit down and listen to the music. It's just not my taste. But I'm glad it's out there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like especially as I get older. Uh, I encounter more and more media that is not necessarily directed to me and might not fit my taste, but I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that there's stuff for everybody out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it comes to movies, like I've always said that like, I've ne I'm never a huge fan of Kevin Smith's movies, but uh, he seems like a nice guy and I'm glad he gets to like make movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and like, it's the same thing with like, uh, Wes Anderson. Like, I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan, but I'm glad that he's making these, like, specific movies to him that a lot of people love. Like, I'm glad that there is that kind of, an like, that's part of the cinema world. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Like, a lot of pop music isn't my thing, but it makes people happy. It doesn't seem to be hurting anyone. It's nice. It's nice when there's a feeling that, not that one thing is something for everybody, but that there is something for everybody. There yeah, are things yeah. available for everybody, and there's no people. I feel like there's a lot of bemoaning the loss of like a monoculture, but it's that's it means that not everybody has to pretend. Like, imagine if Moonfall was the one movie that was coming out, yeah, yeah, and like we all had to go see Moonfall, and everybody had to see it, and like everyone from my grandma to me to my mom to my kids had to go see Moonfall. Like that's kind of the way yeah. movies used to be. And it's it's nice that it's not that way as much. Yeah. Well, you know? and look, not to get political again, but I think that a lot of, well, I mean, I think that another bad habit of a lot of more toxic dudes is to like think that everything should be for them and yes. get angry when it's not and not understand why it's not. Like, like the, the you know, like there's the, weird review by that guy of turning red where he's like, I don't, you know, like, why is this about a Canadian Chinese girl? Like who, who is this for? And I'm like, well, number one, God, what a fucking you dork. should be able to like, part of the beauty of movies is like, like Roger Ebert called them empathy machines. Like it's to put yourself in a, in a different person and to like recognize people's universal humanity. But even if it's not for you, like that's fine too, <laughs> you know. Like it's for someone else out there who needs that movie. Well, that know? was one of, one of the things that Roger Ebert was was good at, and I have my issues with that empathy machine uh, line, just because I think it it undercuts how dangerous movies can be. That movies can also create hatred as well. But that like the uh, but that one of the things Roger Ebert in a lot of his reviews, as he got older, at least when he was younger, not so much. But as he got older, he'd be like. This isn't what I'm looking for, but it does what it's doing really well. So if you like yeah. this kind of thing, you're going to like it. You know, that he, it didn't have to be his personal taste for him to recognize at least a level of quality or that it would it would satisfy a certain audience's appetite, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's similar, like, there's been a like a renaissance in the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years in romance novels and, like, the, the both the quality and the variety of them. And like, I don't want to read romance novels, but I'm glad they're out there. And I'm glad that people who do like reading romance novels have like a greater selection of quality things to read and things that yeah. they're going to, they're going to enjoy more. So like, it's nice when, like I say, it's nice when there are things for everybody and it's not everybody just having to make do with the same, the same stuff, you know, because eventually yeah. we're just living in that repo man world, you know, where it's just a can that says food on it. That's all you can, <laughs> that's all you get. That's, that's all you get. 
Um, hey, let's move on to our final segment of the show, which is where we recommend movies that we liked. Uh, in this case, non-ironically, we all kind of liked Moonfall as a silly thing, but like, what's something that's maybe good? Uh, here's a, <laughs> here's a, I mean, because none of us are making the argument that Moonfall is good. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. good, bad, but. Yeah. Uh, here's a movie that I saw um, at uh, a Weird Wednesday presentation at the Alamo, uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I would say I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it also has it's 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 a it's got its flaws. Let's say uh, it's called Delta Space Mission. It was um, the first Romanian uh, full length animated movie. Uh, although when I say full length, it's it's, it's, it's under seventy minutes. Um, it's from nineteen eighty four. I will uh, it it is subtitled. Uh, but the but the actors, it's subtitling. Like it's one case where maybe it would work better dubbed because the actors who are uh, whose voices are in it are are not <laughs> providing any emotion or character to their characters, <laughs> uh, and it is a baffling plot. Like it is hard to sort of understand everything that is going on. But you don't. You only need to understand the most basic level, which is there's a super smart supercomputer that falls for a sexy alien uh, reporter and then sends a bunch of spaceships and robots to try and kidnap her. Uh, but you don't watch it for the plot. It is the weak part of the film. The interesting part of the movie is uh, just the the visual style. It is a weird semi-psychedelic uh, animated space opera I, you know, I'm looking at my letterbox review because I wanted to recall what I wrote down. And I said, it's equal parts Peter Max, old Sesame Street cartoon short, heavy metal comics, the Star Trek filmation series, and illustrations from a 70s high school science te textbook. And like a lot of it is done in rotoscoping, which gives it this like weirdly uh, hyper realism, uh, hyper realistic movement to go along with the strange style and then some of it's just you know old-fashioned limited cell animation and not that great but it is <laughs> always just sort of startling to look at and you know it it drags a bit at parts even at its time but it is if you want something that feels like it has been sort of beamed in from another world uh the, the delta space mission has that vibe it's great uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I don't probably doesn't need me to champion it because it was nominated for Best Picture this year. Uh, I'm going to recommend Drive My Car, a uh, Japanese movie directed by Ryosuke Hamaguchi. I believe I said that right. Um, and it's based on a Hiroki Murakami story and feel – I haven't read the story, but it definitely feels like a Murakami story. Uh, <laughs> Does someone spend a lot of time folding their laundry or making pasta in the middle of the day? I mean it feels – it's uh, it's – well, the main character is a, uh, a middle-aged man who does not uh, communicate his feelings for most of the movie. <laughs> uh, but it's um, it's a so the movie's about a man who uh, loses his wife, and uh, years later he is uh, kind of coping with that while uh, producing a production of uh, a the play Uncle Vanya. For a uh, uh, for a festival, 
and uh, it's a play that he had a deep connection to, and he had he and his wife had a connection to, and um, it kind of uh, follows him and some of the uh, the characters, uh, some of the people that are involved in this production, uh, and he has to examine his uh, his grief about his wife. And also, uh, he forms a connection with the young woman who drives, has to drive his car. Uh, and it's great. Um, yeah, check it out. It's it's long. It's three hours long. I mean, there's a moment 40 minutes in when they drop the credits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> We're in it, baby. <laughs> uh, but Enough fooling around. The movie's yeah, yeah. really starting now. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Elliot. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that sounds very different from that. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie A Field in England, directed by Ben Wheatley and written by Amy Jump. And this is a movie, it is an hour and a half long. It is much shorter, but it really feels like you've been through a real quest experience. (laughs) Uh, Unpleasant. uh, uh, Sometimes unpleasant, sometimes not. Uh, It's set during the English Civil War, and there is a guy who uh, basically is trying to run away from an assignment he is given to catch – catch an alchemist who has stolen some things from the alchemist who is his master, and he meets up with a soldier and eventually falls under the uh, under the power of that bad guy alchemist. And a lot of it is these different, is these <laughs> this small group of, of uh, 17th century Englishmen wandering around kind of complaining about the 17th century in ways that I found very funny a lot of the time. Yeah. And, uh, but then about, <laughs> about two-thirds in, it becomes... It becomes very strangely hallucinatory and uh, and loses its bearings to a certain extent. It's a movie where, looking at it from purely from a does this plot make sense point of view, it does not totally make sense. Uh, but I enjoyed it a lot, and I thought it was alternately funny and also offsetting and uh, and uh, discomforting. And uh, it's just a strange little movie. Yeah. Uh, and considering it is a movie that is mostly five guys just wandering around in a field. Uh, I thought it looked like hamburgers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? They, they inspired the hamburger chain of the same name, Five Guys. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. These five guys, and they, it's, they, it was, and one of them uses five napkins on his burgers. That's for oh, five napkin burgers. Oh, wow. But uh, the, it's, uh, it's all <laughs> the shot Earl black of and white. <laughs> yeah, it's all shot in black and white, and I thought it looked really good. So uh, it's a movie that uh, I'm recommending, but it's a, uh, your mileage may vary with it. But I liked it a lot. It's called A Field in England. Well, guys, uh, I'm going to suggest that we release Stuart from his wizard's curse. Yay! That's <laughs> what I call a hangover. <laughs> now, that, that, curse, that curse is that he has to, like Wizard Magazine, cast all the comic book movies in the 1990s oh, using no. only stars that look kind of like the characters uh, in the movies. Uh, people are so into it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to encourage you, if you like this show, go over to MaximumFun.org. That is our podcasting network. There are a lot of other great uh, shows on the network. I'm sure that if you like this show... You like at least one other one, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, just take it. You know, take a shot. Give it a try. Why not? Try it. Good chances. Yeah. What do you got Punch to lose? It. I want to say that uh, if you're interested in merch or other things, you can go to our website, uh, flophousepodcast.com. You can check us out. We got a Twitter. We got a, an Instagram. We got a YouTube channel. And I want to thank our producer Alex Smith, who is Howell Doughty on Twitter. Uh, that's H O W E L L D A W D Y, I think. And uh, that's it, guys. 
Stewart's already looking at his phone. Yep, checking them DMs. Mm-hmm. Who slid in this today? Ugh. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> this has been great. This okay. has been great no comment. Let's take that as a no comment. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. Bye. 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 You good? Just trying to make sure my, my mic is pointed at my mouth yeah, yeah, and not yeah. at, my, at my titties. Mm. Mm. You don't want it to pick up your... Nipple noise. Yeah. <laughs> that was the name of your band in high Nipple in noise. college, wasn't it? Yeah, Stuart yeah. Nipple Noise. Yeah. It was uh it was a feminist grindcore band. Mm. Uh-huh. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.